Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PC Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Oh, and I hope you're not planning on storming Capitol Hill. And if you if you are, um, stop that. If, if you plan on storming a Capitol building in a couple weeks and you listen to this podcast, you delete this podcast off of your app right now because uh, I, do, I do not need to be affiliated with that. And in fact, you, you stop that, sir or ma'am and or ma'am um yeah don't come on now come on that's that's not that's not how we get 2021 off to a 10 percent better start like i said in my last podcast that's not how we do it i promise um that is that was a wrong move to make uh so yeah stop it anyways today we have got jesse back uh he was episode three, I believe, Return of Jesse, and our friend Joseph, whom we met in chemistry class in college as well. So, a bunch of nerds talking about nerd stuff. Really good conversation. Um, God, what was I going to say about Joseph? Joseph was like, uh, the first time I met him, it was really intimidating because uh, he's like this he's just this very smart Asian man and he had silver hair and he rolled his own cigarettes and he had round glasses and he was teaching everybody organic chemistry and I was like damn that's a lot of Asian to live up to but like a kind of like unique flavor of Asian it's like you know more quirky and uh I don't know adapted to current societal standards while also just looking like a cool guy um but come to find out he's just a cool guy in general so we've continued to hang out and the intimidation factor is not there anymore well it is a little bit you know joseph is very handsome um but no we're good friends now and uh yeah we get into a lot of good topics and i hope you enjoy this episode took a shot each and then I was like oh yeah hell yeah brother and then literally not even like 10 seconds later I uh, like ran to the bathroom and started throwing up uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to finish the bottle hell yeah that's never a good start to that but uh here's a good start is let's cheers with some buffalo trace you good situated you good yeah I'm good there we go cheers there we go kanpai kanpai Come on, Jesse, you gotta do it. You gotta uh, do it with oh, us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, Buffalo Trace is a solid one to to start out on. Because it's, it's pretty, it's kind of sweet. Yeah. It's pretty smooth. That stuff up there, that town branch or whatever, it tasted like a gym bag at the very end. I was just like, what is this? This is nasty. The last uh-huh. time I was here, you got very drunk. I got really drunk on our episode. Was that with Ivan? No, no, it was just me and Jesse. Okay. That was, like, what, the third episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, I got hammered at the end. I was, like, I just kept going. I had a bottle. I'm pretty sure I had, like, half a bottle. And I'm pretty sure when kept... Paris listened to that episode again, he 
was probably remembering what he said for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I listened back to it. I was like, there's no way I can get that drunk again. That was the episode that I was like, I gotta handle myself. Is it loud? Could you turn me down just a little bit? I got you. Wait, which one are you? Let's see. You're number one here. Yeah, All right. I am number Is that a little better? Uh, a little bit more. It was, a l- it was pretty loud. I've got some sensitive boy ears. Yeah. Are you blasting some screamo music hey man these are some sensitive boy hours let's just yeah. stay up write some poetry sent for some random bitch you're never gonna hey meet everyone, in real life it's yeah. me your sensitive boy sensitive voices yes you are brave i am going to gaslight <laughs> you into uh, removing all of your friendships and making me the main focus of your life there we go that's absolutely <laughs> uh, that pecking was absolutely poggers queen uh, but i have to play some minecraft now so if you could just let yourself out the bathroom uh, i have a question were you being pogged in real life or in, in minecraft sorry i'm That's just a top i mean uh, this butthole staying it was actually condition it was actually just pro blocks but you know uh, minecraft but no uh can you imagine like people like that exist like, there are people that use the term pog and poggers unironically. What is that? So, I feel really sweaty right now. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what, uh, Wait, what is a pogger? Okay, so basically pog is an acronym, and it stands for play of the game. No, no. It, is, uh, it, just, it just means pog now. It's, it's, just its, own a, it's its own entity. It, it's an yeah. exclamatory yeah. remark whenever anybody is just like, hot damn. Good job. Pog. And then you just say pog. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, it's like yeet. It's the equivalent oh, of like, yeah. okay. I was kind of explaining the etymological origin of it because originally <laughs> when I heard the word, I thought it must have derived itself from the fact that pogs were a game in the 90s. And I thought, oh, this is a resurgence of 90s culture. Obviously, the game pog is not coming back, but people are using it as an exclamatory phrase. But it turns out that originally people were using it as like an acronym, play the game, and then yeah. it just took on a life of its own as a pejorative. Kind of like noob noob was like yeah. that at first or right like weeaboo weeaboo was like that was it yeah well oh yeah because what what is weeaboo supposed to be no no, no it, you're the it one that like, speaks japanese I, but it's not no no it's, it's not, not japanese, japanese so though. what happened i, I looked like, this up before yeah um in on 4chan uh it was like god damn it there, 4chan there was a term that they used and then they banned the term and then there was a comic of just a dude just like it was like a dude in an office, and then he was like, um, I'm assuming there's a no phone rule during the podcast just to make it more fun. Just yeah, to make it I more mean, difficult just, I for mean, me. um, if like your mom calls or something, yeah. then we can stop. That's happened to me before. Yeah, so. happened during our episode. Did it really? <laughs> so like, what happens is like, it's a people, it's like people in an office, and then they go, they like, some dude is just chilling, and then they just start chanting, Wee-a-boo, wee-a-boo, and then they throw him out of, like, the office window. The and then fuck? for some reason, that was the word that 4chan chose to use huh. to... I think it was, like, uh, I, I want to say Westaboo, was it? No, 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 Westaboo's something else. Um, uh, Wapanese, maybe. 
Wapanese. Maybe. I don't really remember Man, what the term is. Man, that'd have been so good if that was a term we used. <laughs> Wet ass wap- pussy. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, that would have just been so... No, we had to, well, weeaboo's pretty good, though. Yeah, weeaboo right? is pretty when good. When you say weeaboo, it, it definitely has its own kind of sound where you're just like, I kind of get what that means. I think one of the main reasons that weeaboo is just like so... It sounds good is that it has three syllables. Like, whenever you think yeah. about, like, a lot of exclamatory phrases, three syllables is kind of like the magic number because mm. think about it like uh thanks obama like that feels right because obama is three syllables oh, yeah, yeah. and if you try that with trump like thanks trump like just yeah obama sounds a little bit better in that case as that exclamatory you can say phrase. obama in a funnier way than you can say trump in stupid i think trump. it's because you can add you're more like, like obama i think it's because you could add more like the um, syllables add variability yeah, yeah like you know you could add more tonal shifts throughout the yeah thing. yeah but three is like the magic number for real, though, right? I mean, the, you're a music man. Think about playing just like <laughs> the the if you were to play like sixteenth notes all the time, it's like da 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 da. But like triple, it's like triple 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 triple. It's like it's like the it's just more fun to like. Yeah, do that. yeah. I mean, three is just an interesting number in general, right? Like everything. Wasn't Tesla three obsessed the with the number, number of three, right? Like. Nikola Tesla would, like, only stay in hotel rooms that, like, were divisible by three. Yeah, but he was like, also extremely crazy. He was batshit, but he also made, like, the Tesla coil. So. He fell in love with a pigeon. That's amazing. <laughs> Dude, is Nikola Tesla the first furry? Uh, oh, no. my God. So I remember seeing this picture from, like, the 1800s of this guy in this dog costume that he had invented. Like, clearly, furries have been around for like as long as human beings have been around because people have always identified with animals and in some cultures it's been like very culturally appropriate to identify but with that's animals. like that's like furry is like bestiality taken to a weird place i wouldn't say it's I taken to a weird place i'm pretty sure it's already there yeah, i mean it's already there and but it's I taken also, to an even weirder place i i think for me furries and bestiality are like Oh, it's a Venn diagram. It, it's like it's almost a circle, right? right. But it's not entirely it's a like circle. ninety percent overlap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like bestiality is you know banging like an animal. Yeah. But then furries is wanting to be in it. Yeah, honestly, I don't think you there's know, as much yeah. overlap with bestiality and furries as like people think there is. I think it's just like these people recognize that they're not an animal. They just like animals for whatever reason like i don't get it yeah it's just what they are to to put it in what exactly we were talking before um that'd be like saying banging a japanese girl doesn't make you a weeb i right that's it (laughs) that's all i had (laughs) but banging a japanese body pillow does does yes Yes. okay but that's a completely third other circle but i mean but there's got to be something bestiality related for furries though right it's like why like okay i get it's like bestiality's wanted to fuck an animal or be fucked by an animal i guess but then like furries like wanting to be an animal that fucks an animal uh no so uh basically so the reason that i actually know so much uh there's this youtube channel called like frederick nudson or something he did like this deep dive on the history of furries like how they kind of started in the modern sense where they like kind of arose from yeah and how that community has developed over the years 
And it seems that for a lot of furries, there are people that definitely have the sexual connotation to it, where like they want to party, wear their fursuits, and fuck people in their fursuits. And there are furries that just like identify with an animal and have like this anthropomorphic identity hmm. that is based around an animal. And honestly, that's pretty, I'm not going to say it's normal, but you've seen it in a lot of cultures. Like there's a lot of, like pretty much every culture in the world has anthropomorphized animals at some point. Like yeah. we anthropomorphize animals. Like, you know, you kind of impress upon Chopper, for those of you who don't know, that's Paris's dog, mm-hmm. very sweet dog, uh, a bunch of human emotions that he just straight up doesn't have. I do right, that for my right. cat. Like, yeah. I love that little bitch to death, but she's not nearly as smart as I like to pretend she is. Right. Because, like, I'll basically interpret her actions as being human actions, even though they're just the actions of a cat with a brain the size of a walnut. Right, like, right. You know, it's like that thing where it's like you judge other people by their actions, but you judge yourself mm-hmm. by your inten- your intentions. Yeah. So yeah. like you don't ever know what your intentions of the dog is or of the cat. Yeah. Or of the furry. Of the furry. Yeah. Whatever. I'm just judging them based on the fact that they're fucking in fur suits, which leads me to think like, do you think some of them have like really nice upgrades on their suits? Like, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, some right. of them really? are thousands right? of dollars. Like fans with like cool. No, yeah, 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 that's Are a you thing. serious? Yeah, so the, they're like a so, fucking supercomputer. Well, greatest thing, greatest <laughs> thing. Um, some engineer, for, like furry engineer, made a thing to cool their body down while they were in a fur suit, and then the U.S. government took that technology and then used it for body armor. Wow. Like Paris, unironically, wow. the average fursuit costs like three or four thousand oh dollars. And most yeah, most furries who are like have those, they've got like a few of them. Yeah. Like furries are very invested in their anthropomorphic identities. Like they yeah. like you know, it's a kind of a joke online that if you're an artist and you want to make money, just draw porn for furries because mm. they pay so much. Like, furries will commission drawings of their fursona. They'll, like, have fan fictions written about it. They'll write it themselves. They join these huge in-depth communities. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous wow. the level of investment that they have. And, you know, we were talking before this started about how everybody wants a community. And honestly speaking... Furries have a pretty tight knit community. Yeah. yeah. So it's, well, the thing is, like, you can make a lot of money as an artist there, but also, you have to know people to yeah. get into that community. It or, seems like, pretty the, exclusive, the right? Because like, you you got to be a genuine furry to really be accepted into that group, right? Because I'm sure they can I'm sure they can sniff out a well, fake furry. Well, not really. Like, they don't care what you are as long as you draw what they want. It's just. Are yeah. you willing to draw some very questionable and fucked up things? I would say, yeah, why not, right? If I could, I would. Just, right? Just why, I mean, it's just a drawing. I mean, think about how much money Shadman makes. Who's that? You don't know who Shadman is? No. Do you? Okay, so Shadman is this guy who has a pretty famous following on Twitter, and, uh... Basically, he's pretty famous because he draws, uh, like, people commission him to do drawings for them, and he draws a lot of porn, and he draws a lot of fucked up porn, mm. like, in, like porn of people in just, I, I'm not going to get into what he's drawn <laughs> specifically, you right. guys can look that up on your His own time. Shadman? Yeah, Shadman. He's very famous on Twitter, 
he's known for being like one of those guys that just draws just about anything which brings up another interesting thing I, if you haven't heard of Shadman I doubt you've heard of this guy there's a guy called Mer Logic and he kind of got infamous in like the artist circles online because he, this is a man who has spent like pretty much all of his money having porn drawn for him and uh, this for guy's him? fetish yes for him like wow. and this guy's Wait, fetish he makes money uh, I, I don't he, so this guy's <laughs> fetish is that he is into like blonde kind of bimbo women destroying forests with chainsaws uh, shopping in grocery stores buying wonder bread he's very much into I know this sounds wow. fake your expressions make you think I'm lying but I promise if you look up Mer logic all of this stuff will pop up and basically pretty much no one takes his commissions anymore because he's so he's such a fucking creep and like he asks for such deviant things yeah like not even Shadman will draw for this man even though he has the money Damn. and like apparently when he gets these artists to draw things for him he talks about how much he loves like capitalism and colonialism and slavery and like how they're good things like just if you're bored <laughs> one yikes, day please? just yikes. look up mer logic and mer logic yeah that, and that reminds me have you heard of dino tendies no the vegetable Dude. chicken nuggets no it's a youtube <laughs> channel and it's like a cooking youtube channel but the yeah. dude's like lives with, i think he has a pet raccoon and then like always it's, a good start it's kind of just i can't even describe it yeah like i wish like i could get my mental images of when i think of dino tendies and then just put them into your mind because it's just weird but it's like that addictive weird where it's like hey, yeah need, you just need like, to watch need it like right. i can't like, i can't it's like watching a like train crash or something yeah or my 600 pound life oh ooh. Uh, good trash tv oh man hoarders i got into uh, a big hoarders bin dude those things are great it makes me feel so good about myself <laughs> no, i watch hoarders whenever i'm like i need to clean my room and then i watch hoarders i'm like i really need to clean my room <laughs> I, I could not be that <laughs> yeah my 600 pound life just makes me so happy sometimes because just because like sometimes they do well and it's like good for them and other times, most of the time, it's just me being an asshole, feeling good that I'm not 600 pounds. Yeah, that reminds... I saw this one episode of that where, you know, that short, like, gremlin-looking doctor... Yeah, the where, same one for all of them. Yeah. And he uh, tells them all they're fat. It's, like, it's incredible. He's just like, you need to lose weight. You didn't lose weight. Why did you lose the weight? I remember there was this one guy that came in. Uh, I, I have no idea what was going through this guy's mind. He was, t he was too fat to move for long periods of time. And, like, he had an ambulance take him to the hospital. And the doctor was just like, no, don't bring him in here. Don't bring him in. Like, I've, I've tried to get it. Like, because basically, basically, this guy was just, like, trolling the doctor. Yeah, yeah. Like, just trying to waste his time and fuck with him. And he was laughing like he had won. And I was just thinking, you're, like, 800 pounds, dude. There's not a situation in the world where you are winning. Except like, for the one you create in your own mind. But, I mean, that's just one of those things where people will do anything to feel important. And it's like at Whole Foods. Yeah. Like, you know, me and Paris both work there right now. Sometimes there are people that just come in and throw an absolute bitch fit over something completely banal and unimportant because they want to feel in charge. And yeah. they know that we can't just, like, tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. I had the weirdest interaction with a customer the other day. Um, 
we were uh it was just me and the guy that works in seafood were just chilling in front of the seafood counter this guy comes up and he was like hey do you have a mole which is like not mole it's a some 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 sort of gumbo thing it's like maybe it's mole something like that but um fish or like no it's a seasoning it's a spice oh, it's like yeah, specific it's like mole. a mexican yeah there's spice. like yeah. A, yeah i was thinking I, th- I was just like confused why he was there no. right well he's looking for the seed i can't it's not mole it's something something like that but then we were just like oh no sorry we don't have that and then the next thing he goes he's like it's just ground sassafras and we just stood there for a second we're just like how did that change i, I was like uh, oh yeah right yeah let me let me go to the sassafras department real quick and go get some ground sass. like what the fuck did that supposed to do <laughs> we were just sitting there like looking at him just dumbfounded just like yeah bro <laughs> i got absolutely yeah. destroyed by a customer recently you did but i was up at the front so we have like the door and i'm at the podium and i make sure carts and everything are clean and like i had just gotten back to the podium from being inside and this woman like walked up to the podium and took the rag off of it because like who the fuck walk, like i've never had the confidence to just like take something off right. a space that i'm not familiar with without even asking and just like wipe down her cart with it and then she said oh your fly is down <laughs> oh, and I, so i was just th- so Dang. so like you know she had taken something off of my workspace yeah. and told me that my fly was down in the span of like five seconds so i just stood there utterly destroyed <laughs> like right I'm just like Damn. ma'am at this point i just have to take my pants off right. i'm like, lost they're gonna stay down i'm sorry this flies open that's all it is also i don't know about you guys but i hate it when like a like you know customer walks in they look at me i give them the polite little nod to be like i'm a human being this isn't just animatronics (laughs) and then like they look away but then they look back at me at that point i'm just like what's going on man are we about to make out right right like don't look at me twice in the span of 10 seconds you had one chance right this is america don't we look at each other for some reason don't expect me to not kiss you at that point at work i'm all i do is like I go up to somebody and I'm just like, "Hey, um, you are you are you is everything okay?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, everything's fine." And then they like look back, and yeah. then they just stand there for a second, and then I stand there because I know that like literally three seconds time, if I stand there long enough, they're just gonna be like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah." Right. Like I asked you already, yeah. just just tell me. Right, right. Just tell me if you need help or not. People are weird, man. People, when they're buying stuff, they're just, like, in a different mental state. I feel like state. It, there's so much posturing going on. Yeah. It's like, you never, like, you never tell them, like, oh, like, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I sell glasses. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Good old Warby uh, Parker. So then it's just, like, there's sometimes where I'm just, like, there people are, like, will never say, like, oh, yeah, just, like, I'll get the money soon. I'll, I'll get it in, like, next week. And I'm like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. But then we have, like, some weird-ass excuses. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, like, you could just... I mean, sometimes sometimes weird stuff happens. Perfectly yeah. fine. Um, and But then other times, I'm just like, you could just tell us, like... Right, right. Yeah, my prescription, it kind of, like, blew out of my car while I was driving here. while Because I had the windows down. And then uh, it kind of, like, blew up in the midair. And then, like, a <laughs> ate all the pieces. Right. Like, what? I'm, uh, yeah. At that point, just tell me like, yeah, just cool. say you don't have it. It's yeah. like, I don't, I don't care about the excuse. Just like, just at, at say the end of the day, I'm not going to remember you. 
Yeah. Exactly. Right. Like I'm gonna pursue. I'm gonna get to investigate. Get a fucking magnifying glass out. Hey, it's not like I'm gonna be on a podcast and be like, "Hey guys, remember yeah, like this right? dude who, who fucking didn't have any yeah. money? Fuck him." <laughs> now, now he's like in recorded history forever on the internet. No, like I, I honestly couldn't care less. Like, thank yeah. you for using that phrase correctly. Like, I never understood how some people are like I could care less. Like. You could care less. It's possible for right. you to care less. Yeah. Don't you think about what you just said? Couldn't. It's you couldn't care right. less. Or people say I could give a shit. It's like you could. <laughs> really? I could give a shit right I, now. Yeah. I ate no, earlier. no. I think I could give a shit, and then you add, but I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> that that's I just could like give a ooh. Shit. Right. Like, it's like I could, but it's like no way it's happening though. It's like I have my shits ready, but there's not. They're not going towards that. You know, when you mentioned like posturing when it goes into buying stuff, there. I will not walk around in a store with my hands in my pockets because, mm. like, I'm t- like, you know, I'm white. No one's ever gonna be like, "You're stealing," so, and I like, I'm decent. Like, I don't look weird, and I don't have bad posture or anything. Right. So he thinks he doesn't look. Weird. <laughs> oh damn, that hurts. But like, you know, no one's ever just gonna be like, "This guy's a fucking thief." Yeah. But like in my mind, I'm just like, if I have my hands in my pockets, they're gonna think I stole something. Right. If I stole something, there's gonna suspicious. be a cop waiting for me outside. I don't ever think that. Mm-hmm. I overthink every single interaction I ever have in my life. Like really? I'm like ten minutes after I have a conversation, I'm like, okay, here's the checklist of why that person hates me now, mm-hmm. and uh, they're probably calling, texting, and emailing every single person they know to let them know that's what why, a that's piece how of shit alcohol I am. helps, Jesse. And so mm-hmm. you got to learn is that when you drink the alcohol, you forget to remember those shitty parts, and you just think you're awesome, and that's why people like this stuff. Even sober me. I always think I'm awesome. Hmm. Yeah, there's something about Asians, I think. We have, a, like, a weird, undeserved sense of self-confidence when we're not around our families. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Whenever, yeah. I'm, when, whenever I'm hanging out with my friends, I'm just like, oh, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, right. And then once, like, if my brother's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, my mom calls, like, oh, shit, it's my mom. <laughs> right? Like, me, uh, guys, I have to go. Say, <laughs> <laughs> hello, you need some? You're the older brother, right, Joseph? Yeah, I'm the youngest. Did he ever torture you growing up? Uh, I I would say me and my family had a fairly, like, amicable lifestyle. If we had something to say to each other, we would just... No, but did your older brother ever do, like, typical older brother fucking with you? Uh, okay. It depends on what you would say with fucking with me, but, like, a little bit, maybe. I I was just wondering that because I remember there's this guy that we work with. Well, I doubt Paris is really interacted with him that much. Named uh, like Sarthak or Sarthik at uh, Whole Foods. Really Mm -hmm. cool dude. And I don't know how we got on the topic of it, but we were talking about like older brothers and younger brothers. Mm -hmm. And he's the older brother. I was like, so did you ever torture your younger brother growing up? He's like, oh, yeah, 100%. (laughs) Like, I'm the younger brother, so I got tortured growing up. And we got on the topic of like one day you have that moment with your brother where like physically you're on equal footing now uh, like yeah, yeah. your older brother kind of wrestling with you and to like fuck with you and then you're able to just throw him off and you just kind of stand there for a second like oh shit <laughs> you look at yourself <laughs> right. and like uh, what have i done wait a minute um, i don't have to take this from you anymore right uh, i would i would say me and my brother got along pretty well um he would more tease me than anything mm-hmm. just because uh, i remember there was one time where he um my, my brother always, me and my brother both play video games, um, but there was this one time, I, I normally watch though, being the younger yeah. brother, um, so then, um, I think, one, I think that's why Twitch took off, streaming took off. Oh. Oh, yeah. 
but, younger um, children yeah yeah so then um i i remember there was this one time where like we were taking turns and my brother was like oh like you could turn take a turn when i die and then you give it back to me when you die i'm like oh yeah sure and then my brother like paused mid game and like i went to the bathroom or something and was like hey do you wanna do you wanna uh do you wanna take this turn i was like yeah sure whatever it was gta uh vice city where you still couldn't swim so if you went mm. to the water oh, you'd instantly die yeah. or like you wouldn't instantly die but like you'd, your drown. Health, you'd drown your health would yeah. go down so then um my brother was like yeah here is the controller i'm like oh yeah fuck yeah i got to play video games and then my brother was in the middle of a jump going into like the ocean <laughs> <laughs> and then i have died my brother's like all right it's my turn <laughs> uh, that's, my a, bro- <laughs> oh, that's a good one yeah my brother also got, um, like, he got banned from playing video games for a bit because uh, my mom didn't like him playing, like, GTA Five because it was too yeah. violent. Granted, my brother was, like, 12 at the time. So, like, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, like... Wait, what's the age difference between you and your brother? Like, two... He, I'm 97, my brother's 95. So, but, like, okay. I'm 97, late, gang, gang. I'm late 97, my brother's early 95, so I it's, see. like, two and a half years. Yeah. Um... But like, uh, my uh, my mom like saw him. I think this is why he got in trouble. But he would, uh, or the, I'm thinking about something else. But he would uh, have the flamethrower out, and then he would just yell at people and go, "You're fired!" <laughs> like oh my god! <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like. As a parent that had never, if your parent had like never played video games, yeah. never been experienced, never been exposed to anything like that, I like I would probably be pretty concerned yeah. if I yeah, saw yeah, my yeah. kid It'd just be like, murdering civilians uh, with a flamethrower. You'd have to assume that's like okay, this probably isn't good for a development. Imagine mind. if your parents were from Vietnam seeing that. Oh shit! Oh yikes! Fucking war flashback. <laughs> they beat you immediately. <laughs> right? No. Yeah. Um. I. I feel like Asian parents just have a whole lot more on their plate to deal with, especially when they're immigrants. It's like, man, not only because like families, right? Asian, I don't know about your extended, not extended family, but like your grandparents, your aunts, uncles, cousins and all that. We're all super close. Really? Yeah, we're all super duper close. See, my, my family's pretty close, but like we're like, you know, we don't see each other that much. Mm. But it's not the family. It's like the, the, the people surround us, friends, like the uh, all those people. That are just like so, just in everyone's business. All oh, like, yeah. it's just Asians have this thing where it's like they always gotta know. They they gossip a lot, you like, know, you, a lot. You know what the the biggest flex is? What my mom couldn't do that on me because I was the, the golden child. So like, oh really? So like you well like you couldn't be like oh yeah he's smarter than well granted you could say that to other students who weren't Filipino, but out uh. of the Filipinos I would probably be like you know of my age range like yeah i was like top right. dog so like my parent couldn't be like oh yeah you know that one kid is <laughs> doing better than you in sports i'm like yeah but like right what i'm doing right now mom. but i got a's bitch uh freshman year oh wait, what were you saying actually go go finish what i don't know Keep uh, going. you were talking about uh no you were talking about um your it's like Asian a family families. expectation yeah or it's like, just it's there's like more expectations because there's everybody's comparing each other i mean each other. there's just a lot of gossipy especially in japanese society there's like it's pretty gossipy it's like a lot of just like oh did you hear i guess it's like the same anywhere i'm just thinking about middle-aged women actually not i mean gossip is yeah, just but, the most human activity there is yeah. Yeah, yeah but like it is such 
currency to that because like that's why that whole weird obsession with asians and like their kids being doctors like it's just like it's, it's just, just one upping it's currency them. yeah it's literally just like an objective measurable thing it's like boom son's a doctor yeah what you got yeah i mean i remember you talking once about how when you were a little kid in japan you tell people that you wanted to be a neurosurgeon and yeah. their faces would just light up yeah and i imagine your mom was just walking around like Fuck yeah what does yeah. your son want to be a uh, pile of shit it mine was, wants to be a neurosurgeon and she that's one it was one of the first words i learned in Japanese <laughs> was neurosurgeon i kid you not right and it's like because i remember explicitly my mom telling me or saying that if people ask me what I want to be when I grow up, that you say neurosurgeon. And I'm just like, that's a, when I, looking back on it, like, that's fucked up, right? That's mm-hmm. little, that's like, that's like weird to just like put that, but I guess when you're, I didn't think about it was a thing. Mm-hmm. I was just like, whatever, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, you're a little kid, you'll parrot whatever your parents yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. I, I, so my parents, I, I will say my parents have like, you know, the Asian culture life, mm-hmm. but also my parents were like pretty cool with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so then, like, my parents, uh, so for anybody who doesn't know, especially people who are listening, mm-hmm. uh, my parents were both do- uh, were both dentists in the Philippines, and then they, like, gave that up and whenever they moved to America uh, for, like, um, for, like, you know, for the, the standard immigrant dream mm-hmm. of, like, giving a better life for your children. Yeah. Um, so then, um, so then, like... I, my parents never, ever said, like, you will become a dentist. And nor was it ever, like, heavily handed. Like, really? you know, but, but, but there was, like, something, I, I, I wouldn't say it's implied, but, like, something that I picked up on of just, mm-hmm. like, oh, whenever you say, I want to be a dentist, mm-hmm. they get, like, they get real happy. Mm. And I, I just want my parents to be happy. Right. So then that's why I kind of... And I, I still find dentistry interesting. Right. But it's not, like, to the point of where I'd want to, like, go into it. it. every day. Um, right. Yeah, but, like, I think I think that's, that's it, too. Because even my sister, um, my sister, like, she talked to my parents and said, like, you know, you guys wanted me to be a dentist. Which, granted, my parents never said that. But it wasn't, yeah. it was just, like... The, you just, the vibe the feeling yeah. was there that like my parents would be happier if i was a dentist yeah yeah no that, it was very explicit in my case it was oh. like you're gonna be a doctor you know and kind of like a mildly related note you see all like you see these people on twitter and like well pretty much all social media sites nowadays who were like ap kids in high school mm-hmm. and now they've done nothing spectacular with their lives and they feel like failures mm-hmm like, when all you do is gauge your worth as a person on your academic accomplishments, yeah. if you don't end up doing something spectacular, you feel like an utter piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, it, that's a weird thing is that we measure people based on things that are not relevant to the real world. It's, yeah. like, it's like, great, you got a five on the AP U.S. history exam. Yeah. It's like that's a, but like I I totally still like empathize with that feeling too because like when you're in high school and you do stuff like that you're just like fuck that's, yeah that's the biggest thing yeah it's really the only thing really yeah. like there's there's no other option that's yeah. the thing it's like there's that there's sports there's some extracurriculars it's like but achievement really comes from doing well in academics and it's just so just like who who gives a fuck yeah. anymore like I I got a five on the AP calculus exam I I could not do like an integral right now yeah like, not i forgot how to integrate during the ap, <laughs> AP right. ca- uh, calculus exam. i was just like 
wow like i just but i understand like the yeah. gist of it and i'm like okay that sounds like think... a top tier owen wilson wow <laughs> oh wow <laughs> i for, for me in education especially with me wanting to go into like academia or just like any mm-hmm. education whatsoever like i i pick up on some like some things that i've done or like my experiences a lot and i kind of put that on other people or like recommend that to other people because like you know whenever i was going through like i was like pre-dental this is what i'm gonna do yeah but like there was a like a little sense of hollowness whenever i was going through that Mm. because it wasn't it was something that i wanted to do yet but it wasn't something that like that really resonated with me yeah and then like granted chemical engineering isn't the coolest or flashiness the flashiest thing but i really like like the problem solving and like the 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 mindset that you get into whenever you're like time to fix this right time to do this Mm. and like you know like pull up your sleeve and like start doing stuff yeah Uh, Yeah. like i really like that and then my position went from in in early early uh like freshman year um my position was always like do something that you can make money off of and then find something you're passionate afterwards yeah or like you know something along those lines but right now, like, my, in my opinion, it doesn't matter whether or not you can make money off of it because you're only going to do something mm-hmm. if you're passionate about it. And you're only go and the most likely way to be successful mm-hmm. is to be passionate about what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. And to enjoy it. So, like, that, I know a right. lot of people who have, like, uh, like, XY degree, they're doctors or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. not practicing just because they don't find that stuff fulfilling yeah and you're and at the at the end of the day this comes for granted this does come from a place of privilege not that like you know my parents are like billionaires or millionaires or Mm -hmm. anything like that but like i think that money shouldn't be your only goal because yeah money money will come and go yeah but at the same time the most important thing is your happiness now and your happiness in the future yeah so like you can only do you can only attain that if you're doing something that resonates. With yeah, and there's only so much of like doing something just for money that you can handle. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's like my current job right now. I'm just it's, like, it's like it's like I do this for money, and I yeah. it, it, it's nice because like they pay enough, and also made me realize like wow, like it's only like thirty thousand dollars a year before taxes. Yeah. But then I think about it, I was like, I I'm easily living off of that. Like, yeah. Right. Like that is like cake like i i'm totally cool with that because yeah. like, i don't have that many expenses and like if i just keep my expenses down that'd be fine and i think about making just even more a little more than that like even double that it's like yeah. 60k I'd be like, whoa shit that's a lot yeah. so like they kind of put into perspective what money was because before like you reach a certain if you're getting paid minimum wage like of course you're goal is gonna be money yeah for yeah, a yeah. long time because it's like that's not because enough the, because you're not being you're not getting the necessities that not you even need. close but once you have the necessities yeah that's that's whenever you can start you know seeing what else is there to offer and then you realize how much more you'd rather be doing something that you like and making like a comparable amount of money i mean like thirty thousand dollars a year that is not a lot like yeah we we like our generation has this idea that's like working for like 20 bucks an hour is a lot of money that's like forty thousand dollars a year, yeah. Right? yeah. Which is like realistically nothing. I uh, I think I have a little bit of a different perspective on it, and I kind of so this past summer 
I worked on the natural gas pipeline as a laborer. Yeah. And the natural gas pipeline pays fucking bank. You don't need to have yeah. any education. I was making twenty one forty four an hour, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not even where most of my money was coming from. Most of my money was coming from overtime because yeah. mm-hmm. you get so much overtime on the pipeline. My first paycheck was for fifteen hundred dollars. Damn. And that was like a week and a half's work. Yeah. Yeah. But I was working like six to seven days a week. Yeah. And I was working like 14 to 16 hours a day. Mm. Jesus Christ. It, I mean, it was grueling. Yeah. And it's intense physical labor mm. on top of a barren mountain, climbing up these steep hills, digging ditches, carrying heavy ass. Like, I was in the best shape I've ever been in my fucking life. Yeah. I was able to go up this hill that was like above 45 degrees. Like, it was nothing. I wasn't even breathing hard at the end of at the start yeah. i was fucking dying getting yeah, up yeah. that hill but uh what that job taught me is that no matter what you do and no matter how much money you're making from it labor will eventually just become labor there's yeah. no such thing as a job that's always going to be fulfilling there'll be days you like it there'll be days you don't like it there'll be days you're completely neutral to it and you right. just kind of zone out and be a robot the whole day until you yeah. get home yeah. Uh, for me, all that matters with your job is that you are content with it mm-hmm. and that it is not too much of a physical burden on your body. Yeah. Because I don't know about you guys' parents, but my parents talk about how much their bodies hurt all the time. Yeah. Because yeah. they have worked like hard jobs their whole lives. Yeah. And, you know, I listened to that and I thought, hmm, I really don't want to be involved in hardcore yeah. physical labor for the next 40 years. Because, like, my dad, his joints hurt all the fucking or the, time. Or the opposite, where you're just sitting at a desk yeah. all day and like exactly. you fuck yourself up that way. Exactly. Yeah. Like, for me, all that really matters... Like, I'm trying to be a doctor right now, and uh, the reason I'm attracted to medicine is kind, of an, is kind of just like a mishmash of interests and personal philosophy. Yeah. But I'm very happy that medicine will give me the opportunity to be physically active, mm-hmm. but not to the point where my body will be destroyed. Because I know there are going to be days when I like it, there are going to be days when I hate it, yeah. and there are going to be days when I'm just completely apathetic towards it. Right. Like, you know, I just, I don't think that self-actualization is really achievable with human biology, because we're kind of just made to register one problem, solve that problem, be happy for a second and mm-hmm. then register that a new problem is there. It's like hunger. You know, there's a time when you're satiated, but then you get hungry again and sometimes you overeat and yeah. then you take a shit and you're hungry again. Like I feel like self-actualization isn't like a destination though. Yeah, but I think it's more like a a goal. Exactly, yeah. but I think it's a goal that's purely an ideal. Like, you know, the ambrosia from Greek mythology that allowed you to turn into a god. Like, I'm not saying that the goal of self-actualization is godhood, but rather that self-actualization is this state of contentment and the best possible version of yourself. And I just don't... Like, there's no such thing as the best possible version of yourself. That's always in flux. I I disagree. I I disagree as well. I think if you look at artists, then you can see it the best. Because, no. like, you, you see musicians, you see artists, you see anyone who does any sort of art form that has done it really well for a long period of time. But a lot of those people end up killing themselves and overdosing on drugs. Uh, so. I would say musicians, probably, yeah. I would. Or, like, think about, like, think about, like, stand-up comedians, like a George Carlin, right? Think about him. You don't think he's self-actualized at some point? 
I don't think I he don't, did. You don't think so? No. I think he I did don't... exactly what he wanted for his whole life, and like he didn't have to worry about. And like that is his manifestation of his best self. I was that he just like literally lived and was exactly who he was and nothing else. Yeah, I I kind of disagree, but agree with you. Yeah, I don't think it's just like it sounds like you're very like you're isolating on artists while it's not only artists no it's not only i'm saying if you look at artists you can see it you can Uh see the contentment with their own ability to do the thing that they like forever and like that's it and they're no more no less you see it with like sports broadcasters that are like in their 80s and 90s have been doing it since like the cincinnati reds were first a team and it's, it's just what they do and that's just their life and to me like you said contentment it's like you've done something for so long that you enjoy that you just find yourself doing and it it feels natural it's not like positive it's not negative it's just something you've done and you're just like this is just what i do and i'm enjoying it and like that's it and like to me that's like self-actualization where you don't think about it's like oh i wish i was better at this or i was doing this it's just like no i'm doing what i like i am who i am and that's it not not to flex on you <laughs> but like I feel I wouldn't say I'm like fully actualized and like the best person I can be mm-hmm. but like I'm very content with who I am now and the journey that I've gone through even mm-hmm. if it's not the most like regular journey even if it's not the best me I could be yeah the person who I am whenever I see that I'm like I'm happy with that yeah and that that's not been my life my entire life yeah. Even before, like, there was a good time before I, want, like, switched majors. I, I feel mm-hmm. like, for me, granted, I am still in school, so then there's still not that full load of life experience and work experience and, like, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. But I went through a lot of hardship trying to, like, mold myself into the thing that I wanted to be originally yeah whether that be a dentist or xy or or a chemist or like anything else Mm -hmm. um there there were some nights where i was i'm like extremely unhappy and i i have a journal and um i have i still have it and it's just like me writing down things that drive me Mm -hmm. and i couldn't list a reason why and even to this day I can't list a reason or a reason or a thing or some outside force that is pushing me to be the best me that I can. But the only thing, the thing that is pushing me to be the best thing that I can is just myself and wanting to be that and wanting to be the best person I can be, not from, uh, for myself and for like my friends and my family yeah. who are around me. Well, and my, I feel oh, like sorry. that is the point of Mm self-actualization it's to be the best you can for yourself and for other people regardless of whatever you are doing at the moment well my counter example for that is think about anthony bourdain Mm -hmm. so anthony bourdain for those of you don't know was a chef Mm -hmm. and he had a television show where he basically got flown around the world to the finest restaurants he was mm-hmm. multi-millionaire had every luxury you could ever imagine in life was hugely successful did what he wanted to do for years and years and years and he hung himself in a luxury hotel room in europe mm-hmm. with his belt mm-hmm. that's definitely someone who achieved the upper echelon of what someone could hope to achieve in the field that he was yeah. trying to achieve it in but yeah 
that's, that's what... someone who definitely was able to accomplish all of their goals. And I think that the reason you see so many people who theoretically should be happy with what they have doing things like that, where they, you know, it's like Kurt Cobain killing himself or uh, like Jimi Hendrix overdosing or all right. of these great artists or even scientists and doctors and those philosophers. Are all, those are all like drug related though. Even Anthony Bourdain well, was a massive alcoholic. Well, yes, yeah. but think about like the situation that drove them to do those things. People use things like alcohol to, they're a depressant. They numb mm. you to your current situation. And I think that what you can draw from that situation is that those people were unhappy and they didn't want to come to terms with what they were. And what they were was someone that should theoretically be extremely happy because they've achieved everything yeah. they could possibly yeah. achieve and there's no more worlds left to conquer. But, oh, yeah. Which but, raises the question, though, is like, what if Anthony Bourdain was never meant to be that? No, if that's not his self I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that. I feel like extrapolating to an artist is the worst possible thing because there's yeah. only so many artists. You should focus on individuals themselves where things like that still happen. Um, but, like, for me... I went through like this is I've never told this to anybody so shout out to the podcast but right. I went through uh, really you're telling like, it to like twelve people hey, so f fuck yeah. yeah hey yeah, twelve yeah. people hit me up <laughs> but um but like at the same but like I went through this like pretty like bad depressive episode where I was like really sad and like just didn't know what I wanted to be and didn't know what I wanted to do and the way I came to terms with that was just like facing it head on and then just literally i would think i like while i was about to go to bed at night i really just thought about like what i really wanted to be and like and just like who i am now and why i don't like that mm -hmm. and like how i could change myself and it's not just like and it sounds it sounds really like masturbatory to just be like yeah this is how i like yeah improved myself but like having those hard conversations with yourself i would literally just talk to myself in my room i would just look at look at the ceiling and just talk to myself yeah and just like cry to myself huh. because of how frustrated i was yeah and then those that like that that like m those hardships helped me realize that like or help me realize no i guess yeah it helped me realize myself mm -hmm. you know who i was who i wanted to be and then like i just became so much more like blase about everything else because i don't care about anything else through that hardship and through that difficulty i realized who i was but like one of the main things that i was like really angry about was being depressed but there was nothing for me to be depressed about yeah you know like i am my like my family i i wasn't born in america but my family is doing pretty well in america yeah um like my parents have provided for me they're paying for like you know i don't they they like got me the the car that i'm driving granted that was whatever like before mm -hmm. i my 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 old car got hit by like a drunk driver i remember that um but like they got the they i was like living with them at the time mm -hmm. um and then like 
like you know there was a lot of stuff that i had to be thankful for but i still wasn't happy yeah and then i feel and like i talked to so many people who are depressed as well and they're in that same situation where they come from like middle to upper class families where they have they have the things that they need and then they have the thing that the necessities yeah but they're still not happy and then the worst part is is that you feel guilty about not feeling happy exactly even yeah. though you have yeah. those things right so then like i went through that same exact thing where i was just like i have i have everything that i need mm-hmm. but i'm still there's still something that's wrong yeah and realizing that thing where it's like i have some i i have all of this i have so much to be thankful for and i'm unhappy and then finding the th- finding finding that one little minute detail that literally just needed to be like shifted yeah and granted it might not be one thing for anybody else it might yeah. might be a few things that they have to work on right uh and it, again it for me it, 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 looking back it sounds like just switching majors was like the best thing for me but it wasn't really just switching majors but like the entire community of the mm-hmm. engineering discipline uh of like the college of engineering is a lot smaller at uk than yeah. the college of arts and science and yeah. then also it's just like the environment in the college of arts and science i feel like a lot of people were going for pre-professional programs um so then with that everything felt really competitive where yeah. it's just like I need to do better than this person so I can get an A so then I can get to med school. Yeah. And then rather than in the College of Engineering where it's a little bit smaller and then a lot of them aren't going into the aren't going into like pre or aren't going to like professional school. Yeah. It's more just like how can we as a team work on this together? Yeah. And then having that community of just being able to talk to one another being to being able to be candid with mm-hmm. one another that community helped me so much because i don't know if you guys knew me in freshman and freshman year but like raleigh and phil we yeah. we were we were friends we've been friends for a long time but they were just like they've they they've heard me say multiple times like oh like fuck fuck community service fuck yeah like, fuck being a community leader like i'm i'm just in it for myself but then at the same time now i'm like now yeah. that i am in a community that i enjoy that i that i really like i have become a community leader and i have become i've been doing community service i right. do like outreach events and stuff like that and it's just because again i was be i was able to find that community that was able to accept me mm-hmm. and then that in turn helped me like pull out of that depression and that idea yeah. of like that missing thing that i needed i mean like that just speaks to the power of like you know just socialization right because yeah, like yeah. when you're in an environment that you don't feel like you belong in then yeah it's like you're really on your own and you have to just like deal with everything on your own and i think that's a good point with like the big like being one of those things it's like that can pull you out of that depressive state yeah. i was gonna ask you like if you had any sort of um like reconciling with yourself about like Ooh. who you are right because yeah, yeah, like yeah. there's there, you'll you obviously know, naruto mm-hmm, yeah yeah right okay. like naruto shippuden right he literally like this is like straight out of the book of carl Jung. like he goes to a waterfall guided by the eight tails 
guy and he had to like meditate there and confront all the negative qualities about himself and like the anti-naruto right and he had to integrate that and how did he do it at first he didn't know how to do it because he was like how am i gonna fight all this like he knows me he knows me exactly who i am he knows all the dark things that drive me and like he's like i'll never be able to like defeat that but like what does he do he literally embraces yeah yeah. literally like hugs the anti-naruto it's like it's okay Yeah, yeah right and like that's like straight out of the book of like maslow and young about self-actualization it's like you have to integrate the negative aspects of your personality that you suppress from the world to really accept who you are and then to you know feel better about yourself in general to have the confidence to come back into a community and contribute in your own unique way yeah uh i have like a very physical like very real life situation about that so you guys know me as joseph yes yeah so I also have gone through, I have my, I have like very many names. I have a very, uh, like a familial name where like, mm-hmm. uh, like a familial nickname. Yeah. Where like my, it's a, uh, my family calls me that. And it's just like my family, my close family calls me that. Yeah. Um, and then I have a, like a name. I have another nickname, JC, which are my initials, Joseph, mm-hmm. or my first two first names, Joseph Churchill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've known like from freshman year or from like ever since i was a baby till like eighth grade and middle eighth grade middle school Mm -hmm. um everybody called me jc and then like joseph was like only like high school and then like from high school then on Hmm. um and like i still have friends that call me jc my family still call me des which is like our familial the familial nickname and then like everybody else just calls me joseph and then one of the things that I, like, really thought about was just, like, at first, at first I saw those, I, I thought, I saw those selves as mm-hmm. different parts of myself. There was, yeah. like, the Joseph version of myself, the JC version of myself, mm-hmm. and then the Des version of myself. Each one was different than the other, mm-hmm. and then they were very, like, you know, segmented. Yeah. And then at that point, like, I... I had to realize that, like, again, all the negative things and all the positive things, all of those are just me, whether I see myself as one of those names, depending on the situation. Right. Like, all the negative things about me are still me. (laughs) All the positive things about me are still me. Right. And, like, coming to terms with that, it was, it was, like... Like, anybody could say any shit about me. Yeah. And, like, I'm like, okay, I don't really care because I know who I am. Because, like, if if you're insecure about your bad qualities, it's just, like, then you get all angry about it and you're like, oh, no, fuck you. But it's, like, when you accept it, you're like, yeah, that's just who I am. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, one of the the things that I I watched was a, um, it's asap science really popular youtube channel about science stuff and it's like two two uh gay dudes and they're like they're like husbands with each other yeah they're married um and then they had a video with each other (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't put that in a more awkward way but like they had a coming out video of like them coming out to their youtube audience yeah and then one of the com i was like reading through the comments and then one of the things that i saw was just like yeah we are like one of the things that like really stood out to me and stood out, stand out to me now is when they had a comment i don't remember what it was but i think they were just like saying about some stuff they they said like 
we are we understand who we are so then if you call us like derogatory terms now yeah. like mind you uh, for the podcast listeners i'm about to say like the word like a bad word um I'm, <laughs> they, like if you call us like faggot Beep. like or like whatever or homo or whatever yeah like we don't care because yeah. that's who we are. Right. Like, that's right. like, we understand that's who we are. Mm-hmm. And then I, that was like, like shit. Like once you, and like, I didn't realize that until mm-hmm. like years later, but like, once you realize who yourself is, mm-hmm. nobody can touch you. Nobody can harm you. Not just realize, but like accept and Ex- embrace. Realize and accept like, and embrace. who yeah, you yeah. are. Yeah. That's kind of a real life example in my own life. So, uh, on the pipeline, like pretty much everybody out there has a nickname and usually the nickname starts off as something people make fun of you for yeah Yeah. so if you let like if they see that it bothers you oh my god they're fucking sharks in chummed water right like uh, my brother was working with my dad on a job up near baltimore and you have to wear fire retardant shirts because like you know a lot of shit catches on fire when you're working with natural gas yeah and my brother went to the store and he got a pink shirt and my dad said are you sure you want to get that (laughs) right because like the guys that work on the pipeline are exactly what you imagine them to be they're like country or they're like inner city yeah and they're very stereotypically masculine Mm -hmm. and if you act feminine at all they are gonna grill the shit out of you for it (laughs) and the day my brother wore that pink shirt to work everyone was just like hey there sally gonna trip on your purse strings walking over here like they (laughs) fucked with him all day and the second he got home he ripped that shirt off and threw it on the ground my dad said you gotta wear that to work tomorrow and he's like i don't want to fucking wear it again and he said if you don't they are gonna fuck with you every day for the rest of your life right right then it's about how you don't have it on exactly because like Uh, you know somebody walked up to you and said what up big nose like if you're not bothered by the fact that your nose is big then that's not an insult to you yeah yeah so another thing with that like corollary like being an immigrant in the like i we moved to from the philippines to rural eastern kentucky why like literally i've 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 only had oh family my family was there okay but um but like and like I'm talking like Manila, Philippines, like the capital city, yeah, like, yeah. like big metropolis to like middle of nowhere. To like rich. And like literally, like every single one of my, um, I I would say every single one of my like, like interactions there were perfectly fine. Like I got along with a lot of people. Like I got along with my friends and stuff. But then like, also like coming here to like Lexington, that's whenever things got iffy. Now, whether or not that was because I was young and then I didn't notice or that yeah. I was or and like I, I'm only noticing now whenever I'm like being like, you know, attacked for my or I wouldn't say attacked, but like, you know, I'm being like, uh, what is the word? Starts with a D. Discriminated against? Discriminated against, against as, for my like race. Yeah. Uh, you, you start to notice that whenever you're older. I mean, yeah, I bet Paris, you could honestly dude like i'm so ambiguous right because uh, like i like joseph we look at you and we're like that's an asian guy yeah that's and people look at me and they're like you're something yeah, right? yeah like yeah. they're like you're something you're dead you're not one of us right well, like it's like 
I and that that's been my reality. Come so on, I, man, get out of the country club. You know, you're not welcome here. I, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. just like it's like I get that vibe. It's like here's something else. It's like I am. You're right, but like yeah. I don't get any of the negative discrimination. Uh, really, it's like only my friends so. really that know that I'm Japanese will rip on me for being Japanese, yeah. and I'm just like that's cool. But right, yeah, it's we'll just like yeah they're like yeah. why'd you do pearl harbor it's like i don't know i wasn't there my dad well, was like... literally upset that we gave iwo jima back to the japanese <laughs> what like well his dad fought in world war ii and yeah he still doesn't like the japanese so so finishing off the the story it's just like as as just like a brown person mm-hmm. um in like i wouldn't say we're even in like the deep south we're like the northernmost part of the south the border states, uh, uh, yeah the border Le- states. lexington is like yeah weird in that way yeah so you got like a mix of everybody and literally i will say like 99.99 percent of my like interactions with people like good or perfectly fine yeah but then it's just like that point zero one percent where it's just like shit happens you're like uh like at the same like you kind of one build a resistance to it you kind of are just like yeah they're yeah. just kind of like shitting on me so like fuck it like is it even worth it to react and of that like small percent of interactions yeah. that are even like the small percent of interactions that are negative mm-hmm. the even smaller percent of reactions where you should do something negative and just like brush it off yeah i feel like being able like that has taught me to like realize what is something that i need to like react to and what is something yeah. i don't need to react well yeah and it makes it easier that you live in kentucky and the people that like make fun of you for your race are like the you're just like okay no i will say <laughs> i will say there have been like there was like one time where me and my cousins and my brother we were interact like you know we were uh like you know some homeless dude said some shit and like you probably yeah. just like crazy homeless dude whatever yeah and there was that one time at work where some like some dude probably i don't I know who he is he, he i don't know if he did so, said something but it was kind of like miscon maybe construed maybe mm-hmm. misconstrued as something like derogatory yeah um and like i, I was just like taken aback by that because like you know i will say like again in what do you say um no. it was uh i i it was very busy and i noticed that some chinese people came into the store first and then him and his wife came in first yeah and then i was like i just asked the chinese people hey yo like i was like hey do you need anything they're like nope and then i went to talk to him i was like and then i was like going up to him and then it's like i see how it is and i was like what and he goes uh nothing and i was like all right cool and then like you know for me it's just like if it's something like that it's not worth my energy to interact with somebody like that and like realizing for me it's realizing that that shit doesn't matter in the long run and like realizing yeah. when you should act and when you shouldn't act well yeah and in, at that, the, at, and, in that scenario it's like what are you gonna do yeah You're like, what do you mean yeah. that's how it is but like right? at the it's same like, time like whatever of the point zero one percent of negative interactions there's a point zero zero one percent of interactions where you should act and when you should react yeah like where you should react I don't think because, I don't I personally don't think I've ever had a situation like that uh, where I've had to been like I have hey I've, stop doing I've, that I've had a 
positive r discrimination against honest uh, ones. Yeah. There was a, there was, I, I, whenever I see anybody on campus who is trying to, who's like, who looks lost, I always try to help. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just the right thing to do. Um, and then there was this, uh, I was in front of, I was like walking to class. I was almost late to my analytical chemistry class. Mm -hmm. And then, um, there was this like lost Chinese woman. And then she like put like granted, like majority of people at UK are white. You just can't. Yeah. That. You know, whatever. Right. Um, and then she just like points me out and she's like, hey, can I have your help? I was like, yeah, sure. And she goes, I'm trying to find the Confucius Center. And I was like, ah, being discriminated against. Uh, if I wasn't Asian, you wouldn't uh, right. ask me for help. Like, God damn but it. then at the same time, I was like, I know where that is. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So oh, then I was like, shit. all right, just follow me. Is this where I'm going? <laughs> so then like, I was just like, okay, yeah, just follow me. Like, take, take me to, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like that's another form of discrimination. I, but yeah, it's still, it's a positive it is. form of discrimination. And being Asian, I feel uncomfortable talking about discrimination because mm -hmm. like the shit that we get is some it, it's, lukewarm it's, pudding compared to like, like yeah. other people. And it's like the this, and the unique thing about my circumstance that I've discovered I've experienced discrimination in Japan, like as a child and mm -hmm. like being not fully japanese so no, it's like yeah. i kind of get it i kind of get it my, but i was able to brush it off because my I'm other not half here forever. have, had, have yeah. had discrimination in japan yeah uh, yeah and it's just oh. like it's one of those it's like uh but talking about it in america i'm just like man i i yeah i i i will never never be what like i'm oppressed it's like no 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 no, no, no. no. i i wouldn't right. say i'm oppressed but yeah. i i do get the feeling of discrimination uh i think though i get it i just don't yell about it because yeah. i'm like I, 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 other people got it worse, yeah, like yeah, way yeah. worse. It's like if someone just like ching chong bing bong to me, I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. I can't. Or it's I'm like, just like, I, I look at them, and then I have a pretty decent resting bitch face. Yeah, I will say, I've had a lot of people be like, I thought you didn't like me. I'm like, no, that's just how my face. Right, like, right. I'm not smiling, <laughs> but like, I'm just like. See, I, 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 I am even the opposite. I tend to just laugh with them. Like, ah, ha, ha, yeah. I'm Asian, huh? Well, like, because, because, like, what sorry. we said earlier about this weird superiority complex that Asians have around not other Asians. Yeah. Whenever someone makes fun of my race, I'm just like, yeah. yeah but I'm better you, than I you. I was like, you wish you could be half Japanese. Like, well, you fucking wish you could speak Japanese. Well, like, I think uh, that's one of the me. reasons for that, like, how Asian people are able to have this sense of self that, you know, mm -hmm. other people of color don't. So, so, like, my girlfriend is black. My last, like, three girlfriends have been black. And, like, you know, mm -hmm. as a white person dating like a woman of color you kind of start to realize things that you didn't realize before yeah and you start to realize that like things that people in your life that oh. things they do and say that you thought were normal and appropriate you start to realize oh god that's actually like way darker yeah like you know i was driving with my dad the other day and i know like in the town i live in georgetown there's like this big cemetery and then i noticed like there's this little cemetery and I was like, hey, Dad, what's that? And he was like, like, why is that cemetery there? Why isn't it like with the other one? He's like, oh, that's the black cemetery. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that we had a black cemetery. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, like, you know, and like my girlfriend's very involved in social justice mm -hmm. and uh, in being a very aware and correct person. And she's not afraid to call me out on problematic behaviors that I have. Because, you know, yeah. obviously being a tall, non physically deformed, able-bodied, neurotypical white person, my life's pretty much 
Yeah. Smooth sailing. I'm not getting any resistance See, yeah. from here, any sides. The, and like I agree with that. And like you're seen as like the tip top of the intersectionality hierarchy, right? It's like straight, white, male, able bodied, you know, Well, I'm bisexual. No, but I don't project that. that. That's even like to me, that's even better than being straight and white male because right you get that one like coin into the into the into the oppressed thing right and like in being asian being half asian and i think that puts me above white people in the whole intersectionality argument it really Mm -hmm. does i think you're kind of on the level with us because i I, because you're also like tall i well yeah but like i'm saying that like compared to a straight white man and me the amount of freedoms I have as being a quote-unquote minority and being able to interact with other people. Like, okay, I talk to black people a lot on this podcast, right? And I always bring up, I'm like, this seems like you guys talk to me easier because I'm like half Japanese. If I were full white, I don't feel like you guys would talk like this. And I bring it up all the time. They're like, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, we think we feel like you have some sort of say in the whole minority game. And I'm like, look, that that is true, but like... I get none of the bad things about being yeah. white, right? Like, like the cops don't see me as a threat. Like, I go anywhere. I, no one's, like, suspicious of me. I also get affirmative action to go to school for free. That's how I get Asian need... people are, though. That's true. That's how, in general, Asian people are seen as not white, but still kind of not minority. But that's what I'm saying. I'm half white. So Hitler's though. view of things. Yeah. But, like, right. my... So... <laughs> There is a pretty strong Filipino community in Lexington. Yeah. And then one of the older Filipino families, they were telling stories to us whenever, like, uh, what is it, Uh, segregation was still a thing. And then they were going to church. And then, um, because if you don't know, Filipinos are not, like, I wouldn't say, like, normally Asian, but they're, like, more Hispanic Asian. Yeah. Because of the, the, the rule in Spain... Uh, of this of the Spain of Spain on the Philippines, mm-hmm. Philippines has a very Spanish, uh, like some Spanish cultural things, some, uh, some very Chinese and Asian yeah. uh, cultural things, where it's like kind of just like mishmash together. Right. Um. So then, like a lot, most I think like most, if not all, Filipinos are, or most Filipinos in the Philippines are like Roman Catholic. Practicing or non-practicing, that I don't really care. Yeah. Um, but like, I identify as a Roman Catholic, still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, right. um, more like you can Catholic my balls. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, like, I um, but like my like these uh, this family went to church, and then they didn't know whether to go into the Catholic the the colored section mm. or the white section. Yeah. So then they asked, and yeah. then they asked like, "What what do you do?" Yeah. And then he was like, "Oh, I'm a doctor," and like, "Okay, then then go to the white section." Uh. So then it's like, I feel like Asian people have always kind of straddled the line between whether they choose to be a, the minority or choose to be part of the white. People. That's what it is. It's for Asian people. It's a choice, which yeah. is which is like which or me, or like, sometimes it's not even a choice. It's based off of what you do with your life. I have True. a question for you guys. So at some Ivy League colleges, they've started to just count Asians in the same way that they count white people as in, no, you guys don't get affirmative action. Like, 
You, well, the, the, the how way do you guys feel about that? Well, the way they've like like at Harvard with their whole thing about how they grade Asians differently. It's like that's true, and but it's not as direct as just like oh they're Asian they need to have a four instead of a three point. It's like it's more like now we're expecting people to have like all these extracurriculars, all these social activities, yeah. all these no, every, like other that. things. It's like Asians kick ass at academia. No, no, like Asians I saw, suck at being in clubs. I saw that like uh, Stanford they're no longer going to count like people of Asian descent as a minority. Oh, you know, I actually I, know what you're talking about because I got an email about this like program I was in for minority people and med, whatever, pre-med stuff. And uh, they took, it's not just Asian anymore, right? Like it's like specifically like South Asian, like, you know, like specific Asians. Like, like South, it was South and Southeast Asian, yeah. but not East Asian. Not, I mean, not like Japan, China, or India. I mean, do you guys much. feel that with the disproportionate representation that Asian people tend to have in academia, medicine, mm -hmm. and STEM fields, that it's fair that those universities might start to change their criteria with acceptance? I think so. For me, it's it goes back to just like Asia's a big fucking yeah like if you just say asian people are you talking about east asian are you talking about are you yeah. talking about east asian japan china korea are you talking about southeast asians philippines cambodia like vietnam Burma, Burma? Like are you talking yeah. about south asia like yeah uh, like uh bangladesh india yeah. and like pakistan are you talking about north See. and asia like kazakhstan uh yeah. Ka like some people consider kazakhstan as asia or or no, no, not Kazakhstan. Uh, like Mongolia. Yeah, yeah. Or like even like some southern Russian places. Right. Uh, like that's like considered North Asia, and then there's like West Asia. Yeah. Which like I don't even fucking know. It's like that so Middle it's East like, or is that West Asia? Yeah, it's like, like, it's, like it's it's so such a wide term that like like it's it's just hard you know i mean let's say and then like, you could say, say that with yeah. everything like right europe there's northern europe with like you have the your like scandinavian nations yeah. eastern europe western europe southern europe etc etc do you consider parts of northern africa to be part of southern europe or do you consider that north african well yeah geography is always in flux but yeah. overall do you guys feel that it's fair that Asian people are no longer kind of getting the same considerations that I, other minority ethnic groups do. I think the whole idea about equity is unfairness to level the playing field. Yeah. And like that's just that's just the nature of the game. And then it happened yeah. to white people and now it's happening to Asians. And it's just like I I, I, I choose not to like get worked up over that because I'm like, look, at the end of the day, it's meritocracy. I don't care if you yeah. live here, if you live in China, wherever it is. If you're good, you're good. If you're I, bad, you're bad. Like I don't it. think race should be part of anything. Right. I yeah, really like, think I don't like understand. get the fucking question off of here. But yeah. like then you talk about black people and it's like it's a whole like it can't not be a part of the question. Yeah, yeah. But like if if you ask any Asian, pretty much they're gonna be like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. Right. Asians are like, I don't I don't care. I don't care about if you're black or white. You're like Asians are the most like race neutral people in the world. But they're also racist. They're also racist as fuck. But at the, at the end of the day, there's like, what? But I mean, didn't the Asian this. Civil Go Liberties for Union forward that lawsuit against Harvard for their change in their like admission policies regarding people of Asian descent? They, I mean, like a lot of Asians are really upset about that because like, that's their goal, right? That's their fucking north star is getting into harvard and a lot of and like that's like unfair in in like the to me in like the best way because it's just like asians are so good at this 
that they had to like stop them and it's just it's only proof that this whole like trying to level the playing field playing all this like you know virtue signaling all this like we're progressive so we're gonna exclude people like what like it's like well, I mean, that, no matter what, that university is a finite space, and they yeah. will have to exclude the majority of their applicants. Right, and, they and it decided, should be based on merit. Yeah, but they decided that they want their student body to be an accurate reflection of kind of like the ethnic demographics of the United States. So, I mean, it's just like gerrymandering in certain parts of yeah. like the South, like yeah. in Georgia and Alabama, Theoretically, they should have a lot more black representatives, but mm -hmm. with the way that voting districts have been shaped over the years, yeah, they they don't. They don't. And I think that that that's where I'm just like, the politically correct thing is to say like, oh yeah, we should let it be equal representation, right? But like that inherently destroys because Harvard is the extreme example, like one of the most extreme examples you could get. To get into Harvard, you have to be an extreme example of a human being that is doing that. And, like, if it's all Asians that are doing that, then to me, I'm just like, dude, sorry. Like, that's just what it is. It's a meritocracy. You do well. You do well by the standards set forth historically by this college, and you go there. Then that should be it. But, no, now all of a sudden it's like we got to have all these representation but, but like no other school cares but throughout right this, like uh, only ivy league schools care about that shit because they're under the radar no one gives a fuck if alabama right. is like 90 percent white but like throughout this uh podcast you've been mentioning how like in your lifetime your parents have very much put well your mother has very much pushed you into education and yeah. you've grown up in an environment that's valued education and made it easier for you to value education and I think kind of having more broad standards for African-American applicants is just those schools kind of saying like, hey, you're in an environment where you don't have as much access to resources for your education. Yeah. Uh, you might not come from a place where people have gone to college and you're familiar with it and you might not just have access to resources that made it as easy for you to be a part of clubs and get a 4.0 and have the time to study for your ACT. Right, right. And I mean, I think it's pretty fair that they're, I mean, more than anything, I think the standards of how well you should have to do to get into those colleges should be based around your kind of financial situation because I don't think that someone like Will and Jada Smith's children should be viewed as the same with the same set of standards for like an African-American yeah. applicant that was right. born in like the absolute worst part of Detroit. Like, you know, Jaden Smith has had access to yeah. the best possible resources in the world. Mm -hmm. If he wanted, if his parents wanted, they could hire like actual Harvard professors to tutor him in every yeah. subject so he could get a flawless ACT yeah. score and go wherever he wants. I, uh, I, uh, I mean, basically what I'm saying there is I think that the application process for prestigious schools should be based more around your financial situation because I think mm -hmm. that's a more accurate representation yeah. of what you're yeah. going to be able to do. Like True. if you manage to get a 3.2 and you're living below the poverty line and you're homeless, I think that's a lot yeah. more impressive. Imagine but what like, you could do without having to worry about finance exactly yeah. i think that's a lot but more i think impressive. going to ivy league school puts more st financial stress on you i don't think it enables you to do any mm. better right i think it, you just 
create I, this so, new void of like financial stress for, and like expectation now that you have to meet imagine like some for, kid from the hood that got a 3.0 gpa oh your parents live below the poverty line we're gonna let you go to harvard like well do you think that he could perform i think on the level of harvard so, so like maybe but like i don't know are we setting these kids up for more failure just to be like you know you were oppressed so like your 3.0 actually is more like a 4.0 let's see what you can do and then they a lot of these kids go to schools they're not ready for and then flunk out like, i think you see a lot of that with the william c parker scholarship at uk a lot of people went on probation after their first semester because they got a bunch of money to go to school and then they blew it and then didn't do school and then now they actually weren't ready to be in college and i think it's more of an this weird obsession with putting kids in college that's the problem rather than like their financial or this or that it's like what are we measuring these kids on? What is and why does it matter? Mm-hmm. That's more or less my thing. And Asians excel at that shit that like, let's be real, isn't like all that important in real actual life. But like, now we're saying it's like, oh no, we we gotta slow the, we gotta pump the brakes, equity, you know, yeah. brakes. Uh, and I'm just like, I I don't I I don't know that like, it. <laughs> it's it's like a participation trophy. It's like, do you feel like you earned it? if you didn't actually perform in the way that you were supposed to I, and what if you continue to fail like that that feels like to me would be even worse of a feeling yeah i i feel like too um just like out, out of this just like as an asian person you're positively discriminated against yeah where it's just like none of your accomplishments are your accomplishments they're accomplishments because of your race yeah you know it's like oh i got an a in organic chemistry and it's not because a i studied really fucking hard for Mm -hmm. the exams or or b like you know i studied really fucking hard for the yeah the exams it's just i'm asian and that's what i'm I'm expected to do see and And i know a lot of dumb asian people yeah that's that that's the thing i think it all boils down to it's like why are we putting so much emphasis on what other people think about you and for black people it's way harder to answer that question right because they're stigmatized way more and there's a lot more precedent on their existence than asian people and like i'm able to speak from a place where i'm like i don't give a fuck because like i don't have to i literally don't have to black people literally have to like like that that's the kind of vibe i'm getting from all my guests that are black it's like there's no option are you right? guys familiar with uh, code switching? Yes. What is that? Uh, so basically, code switching is like this social phenomenon where like black people kind of have to adopt a different persona around non-black people mm-hmm. because if they act too stereotypically black, then people will automatically make a lot of really it's, fucked up assumptions about them. It's not just black people too. It's just like you change how you act depending on the people who you're acting think about it in terms yeah. of um for I, you just like if you were happy if you were talking to a bunch of japanese people if you were talking to isla or mm-hmm. um i don't know who other asian or yeah. uh what's his name josh it starts with a j he taught at the tutoring place too i don't really remember but like the um, reason but like oh, sorry versus talking to i don't know like jesse or yeah. me you know, you have to act differently because right. we don't understand the social norms and then the, like, I wouldn't say idioms, but, like, the underlying implication of what you're saying as in yeah. in Japanese eyes versus me and Jesse who have, oh, I wouldn't say, like, I, who have essentially lived relatively, like, 
American lives. I feel like that's just adapting to different social situations. But like uh, the reason I bring up the, like code switching is like something that we all do, but for black people it's a lot more important mm -hmm. because if you act too stereotypically black, even though those aren't really bad characteristics, they're just different, it'll deny you employment. It will deny you like social opportunities. People yeah. will view you as more of a threat. And you know, like when you talked about this stress that a lot of black people feel to succeed academically, to do all of these things that typically aren't associated with black people, uh, it kind of brings up that model minority myth. And a lot of people view yeah. Asians with that model minority myth where it's like, oh, they come here and they work hard and like, why can't you do that? And it's like, mm -hmm. well, we've been trying and you wouldn't let us. And then we made our own thing and yeah. you judged us for that thing too. So what are we supposed to right, do right, right now? One of one of my one of my friends he is he goes he's uh currently in residency in florida mm -hmm. he, uh he's a he's uh his he's from canada but his family is like all nigerian mm -hmm. uh, uh nicest man you will ever meet most considerate person you'll yeah. ever meet uh but he's a black dude um and then they he did a rotation or he did a part a year in med school where he was in like eastern kentucky mm -hmm. um and he was like uh he was uh but like he was telling me um like whenever he's walking around regardless of wherever he is he tries especially like in like at nighttime he tries to act as non-threatening threateningly as possible for yeah. the people like if he's like walking behind somebody he tries to act as non-threateningly as possible so then people aren't scared of him and it's not because he's a threatening person it's not because he's a scary person it's because he's black it's, it's just yeah. because he's black right and that's just the some of like the difficulty yeah. that other people have to face see that that isn't faced by an asian person right that that just like if you see it like if you see an asian person uh, granted like if you see an Asian no. person at like at a Best Buy, if no you see an scared, Asian person right. at a Target, you're just right. like, oh yeah, this is an Asian person. If you see an Asian at a Best Buy, you're like, where are the Samsung phones? Right? <laughs> you're literally asking them questions. Right? I mean, no one's ever been walking down the street at night and been like, oh my god. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the thing. Is like that. That's where like you know how we talked about Harvard discriminated against Asians. It's like I I I, I don't care that much. Yeah. I personally don't care because I like, have never race, experienced it. Race is never a matter of life and death for Asians. Yeah. That's what it is. I, I have black people. It is the extreme yeah. neg. I've extreme. I've experienced some negative effects of right. my race and my skin color. Yeah. But I have never been persecuted. I have yeah. never no. been like you know. I've and, never had an adult look at me at a store when I was like five years old with like menacing eyes yeah right like i've had f black friends that are like people will just look at you as a child and think you're threatening yeah i mean and that just I doesn't happen to me you so. I, I don't remember which of your guests it was but he brought up the talk and brandon the, yeah. yeah so like for most black well for all black people pretty much mm -hmm. when they reach about like six or eight years old kind of around that area their parents set them down and give them the talk and that's where they tell them, hey, here are the places you cannot be by yourself. Yeah. Never wear a hoodie with the hood up. Never be out past this hour by yourself. Yeah. You have to do everything like this to not appear as a threat in this situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just something they have to deal with. And I, like, talk to my black guests about it. I'm always, like, I always have the question. Because to me, like, that conversation, to me, is, like, not 
good. I'm just like, if you didn't have to have that conversation, you shouldn't, right? But, but that's the thing. To. It's like they have to. And, uh, and like, no one, none of my guests are like, yeah, it's, a, it's just a good conversation. No, no one wants that conversation, mm-hmm. right? And, like, that's because the thing. whenever you're a kid, you're just living, like, in an idyllic yeah. life where everybody is, like, doesn't care about who you are. And granted, whenever you're a kid, other kids don't care who you are. It's not the kids who are, you know, yeah. negatively impacting your life. It's the parents of the kids who right. are socializing the other kids who are making them feel who are telling them and making them feel like this person of mm-hmm. x y or like of like darker skin tone of you is a bad person yeah you know one example i actually have of kind of that childlike innocence so there so i don't know if you guys remember if you watch much family guy as a little kid but uh, there was an episode of family guy where he has like a flashback because he learns that he had a black ancestor who was a slave mm-hmm. and like in that flashback peter who is like the black ancestor ends up like fucking the plantation master's daughter and they have all these kids mm-hmm. who are basically like chris megan and stewie and i remember there was a moment where stewie said you know what the best part of being half black and half white is i'm gonna be accepted by everybody <laughs> and as a kid i thought wow that makes so much sense yeah you would be able to relate to everybody i wish i was half black and half white right and then you grow up and you're like ah well um, it's it's like both yeah. though because like no. It's like you get embraced by everybody, yeah. but you also get rejected by everybody. I mean, really, you don't how, get embraced by everybody when it comes yeah. to being half black and half white, unless you really look. You get embraced for being your own, like, thing, right? It's like, oh, like, because you look at a lot of mixed people are beautiful, right? Like, a well, lot, a I lot mean, of to be half fair, white... though, we're just seeing, like, the ones that gain a... Like, there's pl- I've seen plenty of ugly mixed people in yeah. public before. It's just, like, whenever you're on the internet, of course, like the cream rises to the top right and the stank rises well float denigrates i don't know it goes to the bottom right. sink you could just use an easy boy word right <laughs> sink but like my like my girlfriend she's completely black and she's dark-skinned yeah and uh from like the way she talks about it the black community has kind of a very mixed re- ironically enough mixed yeah. relationship with mixed people because apparently mixed people like to kind of act like they're as oppressed as basically in the black community lighter skinned black people tend to get treated a lot better yeah. than really dark skinned black people that's just colorism that's yeah. just true across the world and apparently you know it's like how you said earlier as a bisexual man i can kind of throw my oppression token in yeah i try not to do that because i know i'm not oppressed yeah like it's that's like where I, I stand. Get nothing. That's bad where I stand with that. the whole oppression thing. It's like I cannot. I I really don't like people that like invoke their whatever is bad about their life and use it as currency towards their virtue. I'm just like, please stop. Like I can't be friends with people like that. It's like, I had an abusive father. It's like I I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but that doesn't make you good. Yeah. It doesn't just, just think... doesn't automatically make you just because you're like some like fucking black trans albino like half person with no legs doesn't make you a good person automatically i'm sorry it just doesn't like my thing that's my thing like, it's just it's, it's your circumstances are your circumstances yeah. and i th- i think sorry. the funniest thing that i ever read was this dude in uh cme who uh you're ahead of me uh he was like older older guy who went back to school mm-hmm. he was in a wheelchair and he was like, I was, he, he was, he was a joke, but it was also like 
very just like it hit really hard he goes i was an asshole before the accident and i am still an asshole that doesn't being in a wheelchair does not change that i am an asshole yeah, like one. <laughs> that's a dude that's self-actualized. Dude, right there. He, he, he's literally the greatest man. That's one a of guy the funniest things yeah. was um, he he always sat on the top row because he can't go down the stairs, obviously. Um, and then uh, one of our professors was like, "Anybody want to go down to the board and then write this down?" And he goes, he raises his hand and says, "I would, but I can't." <laughs> the professor was like. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, kind of a similar example to that. I don't know if you guys ever read the book, like the uh, comic Mouse. It's by uh, Art Spiegelman. Mm. His parents were both Holocaust survivors. And uh, this Mouse is a graphic novel where he, like, basically illustrates and goes through their journey. And his dad, despite being a Holocaust survivor, was still racist. Like, uh... There was yeah. an instance, like, he really presented his dad warts and all. He didn't hold, he didn't try to paint him as being a better person than he actually was. Like, yeah. He was in America, and hit, so him and his wife were driving with his dad in the back of the car, and they picked up a black hitchhiker. And his dad was, like, speaking to him in Yiddish, like, the whole time, like, why did you pick up this? And then he said, like, the Jewish slur for black people, like, mm -hmm. slur, slur, not just, right. like, what they are. And uh, he was like, Dad, how can you think like that? Like, you literally went through the most discriminatory thing yeah. that's happened yeah. in the last hundred years. He was like, this is completely different. <laughs> like, you know, people just do whatever mental yeah. gymnastics they need to justify their actions. That's the thing, man. It's like, I, I really try not to play part in the whole intersectionality talk. It's just like, I, I don't know how much I believe in it. It's like, yeah, there's oppression, there's power structures, there's hierarchies, there's all these things that are unfair towards certain groups of people. I was like, if you sit there thinking about that all day, like you'll never, you'll never move in any positive direction, because like you're too hung up on what's on reality. It's like you just like can't accept what reality is. So it's like you have to spend your time trying to equalizing all, and it just doesn't work. Like that's not how humans work. We don't live to equalize amongst all of us. We live to be better than each other, and like that's just that's just how humans are wired. I think I don't know if that's like real but personally I think it's just like we have a desire to achieve things on our own terms and to compare with other people I've I've always been in the school of thought of just like not complaining about things that you can change um, yeah. and that is that is a thing that's like kind of in the gray area where you can change it but it's it takes a concerted effort and just thinking about what you want to do and what you want to change isn't enough. Mm -hmm. You need everybody to work on it together if you want the full change to be actualized. Yeah. You know? Um, so then, for me, it's not that I, I don't think about it. It's still something in my mind. But it's something that I strive to equalize throughout just, like, my being. You know, just yeah. like, or to incorporate in my be. So it's just like I don't care right. who you are as long as you're a cool person. I'll probably hang out with you and your your. That's the thing. It's like I really don't like this whole like canceling people, like telling them they can't talk, censoring yeah. people. It's just like you're not. That's not the answer. That's like I'm sorry. You don't just like, just like get rid of people and then it's the not a one don't. or a zero yeah it know? really isn't it's just like you gotta just talk with people and you're gonna find people yeah. who have different thoughts than you mm -hmm. and like some people who you have 
who you argue with and you don't enjoy talking to but that is sometimes some of the most some of the best conversations that you could have well, yeah, because you get that different viewpoint it's genuine at yeah. that point because then you're really on your toes like trying to make your case and you have to if you don't acknowledge the other side then like you will never it's like when white people are just like black people you just got to step it up just like do better it's like no, no no you're not acknowledging their reality about yeah. like the whole their whole situation because you don't even know the last podcast we talked about black people and their hair and like because like as a general taboo i'm like don't touch black people hair it pisses them off it's a point of contention i don't exactly know why well last podcast i learned why it's because it takes hours hours and hundreds of dollars of product to yeah. like keep that in the whole situation that it is and you touching it, it's gonna all fuck it all up and all this stuff i don't know it's if like you, your pet or something i don't know if you remembered but we actually talked about that too during uh, our episode yeah because uh, we got onto the topic of cultural appropriation and why it was inappropriate that a lot of people who you know aren't black have started wearing black hairstyles yeah. in recent years and the main reason is you know those hairstyles exist because black people's hair is it's different than ours like it's different on a cellular structure yeah. well molecular structure they're not really cells and it takes like you said a great deal of product time yeah. and effort like if a black person doesn't correctly oil their hair and wear a bonnet when they right, sleep right. and comb it and brush it in the right way, yeah. then it will literally like dry up and break off. Yeah, like, like their all, hair will fall out. Like, you know, my girlfriend is comfortable with me touching her hair, but it's only in the context of like... I like it. I just like it. that we're together. <laughs> Try to guess what that says. <laughs> But, I mean, like, one of the main reasons that it's so inappropriate to, like, wear these black hairstyles is for a lot... Like, there's been a lot of actual laws on the books where, like, black people were not allowed to wear their natural hair. Or like, in school? Like, yeah, like, you they weren't would, allowed to have, like, cornrows or yeah, something? Yeah, like, they would literally Fuck. get sent home, and, like, that's just what their hair is supposed to be like. And so, then Khloe Kardashian does it. Exactly. And so I under... Well, I won't say I understand, but I empathize with the fact that they're then like, okay, uh, we really don't like it that you're doing this, because when we were doing it, you called it trashy and ratchet and ghetto, but now that some celebrities doing it it's trendy like this isn't trendy no, it's something yeah. we've worked really hard on and that's a, that really that's a, that's a, there's so much more weight on black people in their race than with asian people and that's why it's like i don't i don't like I, to I participate can't speak for it that's the know? thing right it's like i i don't like to participate in the race talk and i even think it's counterproductive sometimes but that's because it doesn't influence my life as much as it does some other people and when it comes to black people it's literally a matter of life and death a lot of times and um when when you go through your whole life and you're being discriminated against and like and then people are praised for doing exactly what you did like your life i get it it's like that's not comfortable and that's that's or, fucked up or have you seen the it's it's a very current events but very like uh close to home um you know the game mahjong yeah uh, i'm saying the filipino the filipino way is mahjong um what the japanese way they say mahjong mahjong yeah yeah slightly different um, but like some some these three women uh, in like Dallas, I think it is, they started making like uh, mahjong set. 
Um, and then it's like they're they're uh, essentially just like um, what's the word? Uh, what's 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 the word for uh, like what what they did to Williamsburg? Williamsburg, what? Uh, New York, uh, for like they, gentrification. They gentrified it essentially. Mm. Okay. Um, they gentrified Majong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Grant, uh, or I wouldn't say it's just gentrification. They they honestly made some pretty meh. Like they changed some of the styles and then they changed some of the things. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there was no risk. And then like they they did it, and it's like okay they did it whatever um but the way they went about it and then the way they talked about it Mm -hmm. they just like it made it sound like the original chinese designs Mm. were just like extremely negative and then there was nothing to be found about it and then i feel like that's where a lot of the anger comes from it's not that they because like if somebody made like a pretty cool looking different set of designs for majong i'd be kind of set i'd be like kind of yeah. like happy about it. i'd be like wow cool. this is pretty cool yeah and like my grandpa loved Majong. like yeah. he he used to play it with like a bunch of the old filipinos here um and like that's that's how i associate it, associate with it and i know how to play and I, I have fun playing it and if they made a modern version of the set i'd be pretty cool like i'd be like wow yeah. that's pretty cool right um but like the way they went about it and the way they described the previous versions that's where i kind of was like upset about it because they they made it sound like the old versions were extremely negative like there was nothing to be like there was nothing to like gain from them yeah and if they were to have that same designs but then said like something like they wanted to like you know set had a more positive spin on it then that's where then like i would be like Cool. Yeah. yeah yeah but it's also like four hundred dollars like, oh jesus Christ. yeah right like a good majong says like a hundred wow like 70 bucks like yeah and and that that's the thing i was thinking about like when white people wear like kimonos and stuff japanese people were like yeah dope, whatever but yeah. if they like you know i feel like it'd be a lot different if japanese people were enslaved for 200 years yeah well, right it's the... just like it's like it's like, i mean even the whole internment camp thing like japanese people have gotten over because it's like we got reparations for that like yeah. legitimate reparations i think one that of the have main... never been happened for black people ever but japanese people got reparations for that incident which is like good and i think it helped to clear up all the bad air and i think there's a lot of progress made since then I think one of the main differences in like the experience of like African Americans and Asian people is that Asian people have something to go back to. Like they have an unbroken cultural legacy where they can be like, "Hey, like you yeah. guys might be bastardizing what we do, but we know what we do." Yeah. Like it's got a strong root back home mm-hmm. and like even if that's not even if they don't consider it as like their true home, like you know, in our cultural homeland, it still is practiced the way that it was and that it's naturally developed as. And even yeah. if you're fucking it up over here, it doesn't really matter. But for African-Americans, they don't have an mm. unbroken cultural lineage where they can be like, well, you guys might be fucking it up. But like, you know, in our ethnic homeland and our cultural homeland, mm. it's still the way it was and should be. Yeah. And so yeah. whenever like their shit gets messed up, they are more impacted by it because there's a legitimate danger of it, of that being the overall perception of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like a lot of that has to do with, like, the shittiness. And, like, even just saying just the word shittiness is, like, downplaying it of, like, slavery. Because a lot of it wasn't just taking people from one place and then taking them to America and then making them, like, work for whatever. Mm. It's just it is in addition to that just removing their culture removing their identity dehumanization of that yeah and then that persists throughout the current day yeah and it's fucked like you said like it'd be different if they just brought them here i mean like even then that's kind of weird it's like like what you were saying is like asians we're gonna have something to go back to black people that have been like in black in america for generations it's like that's a lot different Yeah, like every time they build something up it's very consistently been knocked down right and one other thing to keep in mind that you can kind of use as a litmus test to kind of view the relationship between europe and africa Mm -hmm. there have been you know moors from northern africa traded with europe for thousands well Mm -hmm. i guess thousands of years and uh there's this one instance where in like i think it was like the 1400s or the 1300s there's this portrait in the vatican Mm -hmm. of this moorish trader uh who met the pope and like in this portrait he's painted in a very regal posture he looks very handsome he's covered in like jewels and has a sword and clearly looks like he's of noble birth and he was Mm -hmm. portrayed in a very positive light Hmm. so you can see that at the time there wasn't i mean obviously there was like people were racist back then like people have always been racist fucking england and france hated each other yeah but it wasn't to the degree that it is it was just like the basic like you're not from here we don't really like you that yeah, much yeah right uh instead of like the i truly believe that you are not well they also had that belief that p- other people weren't he- like the word barbarian mm. in greek comes from the fact that when greek people ha- f- when in greek people's minds when other people were talking what they said sounded like bar 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 and wow. uh they were like, ah, they're barbarians because yeah. they say bar bar all the time. I mean, even like intellectuals in like the early or like, you know, mid 1800s, early 1900s even wrote books about how black people were savages and they were just different. They were yeah. just less than white people. And it, it's it's incredible. I OK, so I read the book How to Be an Anti-Racist. And then I listened to White Fragility. Have you ever heard those books? Mm-hmm. I've heard of the first one. Not the second. Yeah. So, um, the how to be an anti-racist is like I, I i enjoyed it a little bit more both these books i was not thrilled to read to be honest just because i was like there's something about it that's like feels like i don't know just not right but then i like as i read them i, I started to get more of the perspectives like okay okay i get i understand more because like the how to be an anti-racist thing really just shed light on like the 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 history of black people and just like this is what they deal with this is what's on their mind not because they choose to but because they have to mm-hmm. and then the white fragility one was like a a little weirder because this woman's insane robin d'angelo who wrote it she's just like she's kind of kooky and says some really off shit like our the generations are getting more racist as we go through time and I'm just, it's a white lady too talking about how not to be racist and she takes the angle that like you know white people won't listen to a black person tell, talking about how this white person is being racist. And I was like, uh, okay, I, I don't know much about it, to be honest. I was like, I've never been in that situation. So I've always just been, I've always just assumed, like, if someone's telling me about racism, 
I probably did something wrong, and that's okay. Do you guys also think it's fucking hilarious that a white woman pretended to be black and became president of the NAACP? Yeah, there's some there's some weird shit going on with like these white women, like like let's be real, it's like middle aged white women like trying to posture themselves in a way that makes them look like they're not like a white woman. And it's just like it's really strange to like listen to these people talk about it because I'm like. Like Bill Burr put it put it really well on his SNL monologue, right? He oh was my like, god, that was he was just like, it's like, what what are, what are white dudes getting all the flack for? It's like, wait, men, women, you were like, you were in the jacuzzi next to me, right? Like you were there the whole time. Like sit down, take your fucking talking to, just like me. It's like, what are you? And then it's like, it's so funny. Who was responsible like, for Emmett Till? A right? white woman. Yeah, and it's like. There's a lot of these weird, just like, like you said, mental gymnastics people do just to like make themselves not part of the problem. It's like, and I'll, I'll give Robin D'Angelo some props because she definitely mentions about her racist tendencies, all these things that she's done and whatever and whatever, whatever. But it's like, it's, it's turning into dogma now. It's turning into, if you're white, you will never not be racist. There will always be instances where you'll be racist and there's no way to like escape it except to constantly repent for it. Mm. I mean, and I like think everybody's a little repent. bit racist. That's I what I'm saying. I, I think was... it's like that that like mantra of no news is unbiased, or nobody's unbiased. Yeah. You have to realize that you have some biases here and there. I yeah. mean, literally, like, if, if a Filipino person came up to me like, hey, I'm Filipino, I'd be like, hey. Right, right. Like, you know? It's, it's like, like when I think, and the, the, the point she brings up in the book is about how people say talk about how they're not racist and i'm just like okay i get that that's irritating because even though it's like i don't consider myself like a racist it's like i probably do racist stuff that's fine. i mean yeah, my yeah. deep right? burning hatred for paris fuels my every waking that's action. the thing it's just like if everyone just would accept it's like yeah you do some racist stuff. there's some unconscious shit that you do that's racist and i feel like the most important thing is not not just understanding like this is the shit that I'm doing, and this is bad. Mm-hmm. But like realizing, hey, this is how I have to fix it, or like, yeah. and then also just like, I think that you know the 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 difficult talk of race with mm-hmm. whether it be like with somebody who is not your race, you know, talking to somebody about like their life experiences yeah. and getting that additional perspective of this is the shit that people, other people have to go through. You know, yeah. I don't have to go through this shit because I'm ex, like, you know, I'm right. white, I'm Asian, I'm, like, whatever. Yeah. Or, like, if you're not in America, like, I am of the cultural, like, like yeah. generality. Um, it's just, like, you have to realize that other people have to go through shit that you don't have to go through. Yeah. And then once you understand that, that's another perspective that you could take. Right. It's like how people complain about how, like conservatives will only like go for like um support things that has personally affected them Mm -hmm. uh one of the classical examples is uh ronald reagan's wife um whenever like her her daughter like her family like they were conservatives and then they didn't like homosexuals and then I think it was her daughter or something, or maybe her son, said that they, they came out of the closet and said they they were gay. Ronald yeah. Reagan's child was I think gay. Was, I think so. I, I might be I might be saying maybe some it's Nixon. Extremely wrong shit. <laughs> um, but then like, 
For the sake of the but example. Then, for the sake of the example, and it's like, and then like after that, the mother started supporting all of these like yeah like the, the right this like. <laughs> I think that's just not for not most... not to put it derogatorily, but gay shit. I mean, I think that's just true for most situations. Nancy was on that gay shit. Like, it's easy to be apathetic when you don't have a relationship to it. But, you know, like, a perfect example of a conservative changing their mind on something. So I worked with this RA. I mean, it's not a big deal that I would say his name, but I just won't for his own privacy. And he was a very conservative person, and he has Crohn's disease. And, you know, his whole life, his mom had been employed where they had good health insurance, Mm. and they were able to afford medical treatment. And he had a very bad flare-up. Like, they had to remove, like, a foot of his intestines. Mm -hmm. And his mom's insurance had gotten cut. And it was at that point where he realized, oh, my God, this is, like... And he had, like, a lot of medical debt all of a sudden for a life-saving procedure. And he realized, oh, shit, maybe socialized health care isn't that bad after all. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if I really deserve to have, like, $30,000 worth of debt to not die. Yeah. And I, it's just, like, I, I think that the world should be put into a... And this is extremely idealistic. Um, I think the world should be put into a place where everybody everybody has the chance to be the best person that they want to be. Well, they don't have to worry about their, you know, they don't have to worry about their medical debt because, you know, socialized healthcare is an important thing. Uh, they don't have to worry about their housing needs and their food needs. And that, that might, again, this might be so idealistic. But at the same time, there are so many other countries that have been able to you know, socialize their healthcare, especially in Europe. Well, I think one of the like things in this discussion so far is I think we're, we might be arguing towards different definitions of what constitutes self-actualization. So like for me, when I think of what constitutes self-actualization, it's this idea that you are able to reach the best possible version of yourself and reach this permanent state of contentment and I think contentment is kind of fleeting like there's going to be days when you're happy and days when you're not happy and since your idea of yourself as a person is so fluid and so dynamic and so prone to change there's no way of really saying what your ideal version is because it kind of changes as the wind blows you know like today you're walking down the street you turn right and you meet some guy you knew from high school and he, you catch up for a little bit and he says that like the factory he's working at is hiring right now and they're paying $30 an hour. So you're like, shit, I'll go work at that factory right now. And then you end up working there for the next 40 years. And like, what if you had turned left and never seen that person again? Like how your life is going to turn out is always in flux. So yeah. what the best possible version of yourself is, is pretty much up entirely to yourself. And I think that in most cases, know, though, you like, can, I think you can be content with most situations. Yeah. Like, I have a question. Are, do you consider happiness and contentness as two separate things? Yes. Uh, yes, I do. Like, okay. And then so, what would your definitions be? So contentment is just a situation that you can accept more or less, and happiness is a situation in which you feel more of a positive than a negative inclination to it. Kind of contentment is the ambivalence in most situations. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to find contentment, you're in a situation where 
okay, I am not physically in suffering. I am not subjected to cruel or unfair treatment. And I have enough time where I can contemplate my situation and I have enough resources to act on my situation should I feel an inclination. Like basically, I think that self-actualization as most people view it is kind of this idealized form. You know, it's like in Buddhism, in like the true goal of Buddhism is to exit samsara. Well, no, it's to exit samsara because if you like, you know, reading Buddhist texts, when you reach enlightenment, you basically realize that what comprises you comprises everything. And when you die, you're taken out of this cycle of rebirth so that mm -hmm. instead of having consciousness, well, you kind of still have conscious. It's kind of a weird you have contradiction. Like an omnipotency yeah, instead like of just a consciousness. You kind of blend yeah. in with everything. Yeah. Like some people call it the overcoming of the illusion of separation because yeah. you're not really yourself. You're everything. Yeah. And that's kind of the reason that I don't, uh, I mean, philosophically, I hope that's not true because if I don't have my individual yeah. perception and my individual cognizance, then I basically don't exist. And while I definitely would, pref like, I've contemplated for long periods of time, would I like an afterlife to exist? Because when you really think about it, any existence that goes on forever is bound to become torturous at some point. Yeah. Because eventually you will have, because people really underestimate the concept of infinity. Because eventually you will have had every conversation, you will have done every action, you will have said everything. Yeah. Like, your existence would literally become gruel at that point, where it's just like nothing stimulates you anymore. Mm -hmm. And like, in most situations, you're not going to be terribly stimulated, but the fact that you exist, well, what gives your existence happiness, or the potential for happiness, is that there are things that I can do that finite. I'll enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. And see, I wonder that, sometimes okay, on that thought, though, that's lately I've started to think about Buddhism as like a massively nihilistic way to live life because it's just like it's just like deny every sort of human emotion. Well, that's anything. basically Friedrich Nietzsche's critique of Buddhism. Yeah. And like, I, I don't think that's like a good way to live life. What just mm -hmm. just everything happens yeah. is you just don't you just deny your natural human tendencies towards reactions or emotions or any of these things that like make that validate your existence essentially in a, a ditch to be like I'm everything. It's like, yeah, like I don't think you can uh, really say you value the things in your life. Yeah. If you don't if there isn't that flux of good and bad, yeah, no, right? Like it's you, everything. If the absence of something does not cause you some level of anguish or the idea of it not yeah. existing like, if someone just told me, hey, Joseph's going to stop existing tomorrow, I would be sad about that. Right, like, if you're a Buddhist, you're just like, it is what it is. That's fucked up to me. Like, that's, like, no way to live, in my opinion. I think that, like, you got to have a healthy balance of all of it. Like, that's yeah. why the whole symbol of yin-yang, like, makes so much sense and just, like, is, is just pervasive through at a time. Is that like it is both good and bad, and there's yeah. both good and bad inside of bad and good, I don't, and you have to accept it all as whole. It is one. You can't just deny. You can't just like throw away yin yang and just be like, I just want the circles surrounding it. Like, yeah. That just that that just, that doesn't like. I feel like that is denying your role and your purpose, not just for yourself but for those around you to fulfill a certain kind of like, you know, wholesome community uh, aspect where you experience a multitude of things. 
I've I've found for myself that I I, I enjoy philosophy. Yeah. As as even as like a man of science, I enjoy like philosophy. I minor in it because I love wasting time and yeah. money. <laughs> I don't think it's a waste of time. Well, like I think it helps really put things in perspective, but also like again, what I what we were talking about, it's just like. I I don't think that there's one prevailing school of philosophy for everything. No. For myself, whenever I look at myself and whenever I look at my actions, for me I'm just like whenever I look at my own actions, I look at look at it from a very stoic standpoint. Like yeah. these are the actions that I have to do from not the lens because, of your own experience. Yeah, yeah. Not not because it's the it's the right thing or the wrong thing, but it's just the thing that I should do. Mm-hmm. But rather, but then whenever I look at other people, I'm just like, I don't, I don't think like, oh, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Like, I'm not an authoritarian where I'm like, hey, like, what the fuck? Why aren't you doing this my like? Not not like why aren't you doing this my way? But or why aren't you doing this in like the way that it should I would be do done? It. Yeah. Um, because again, that I wouldn't say that's the Stoics standpoint. It's just Stoicism is more of a more of an insular philosophy for me mm-hmm. and then there's an uh, an external philosophy that should be applied to everything else but stoicism for me has really helped just like this is what i should do well, fuck it one of like, the problems yeah. with philosophy in general is that people when they try to get into philosophy they think okay i'll just read this book and i'll try to understand this person's philosophy and philosophy isn't like like you don't need to know jack dick about Henry Cavendish to appreciate like what hydrogen is or how the density of the earth was calculated. You don't yeah. need to know anything about him for that. You don't need to know anything about Isaac Newton to appreciate calculus. But if you want Except to for the under- fact that he invented calculus in like a week during yeah, the pandemic. Yeah. Exactly. But <laughs> like, yeah. you don't need that context to understand you it. But yeah. if you want to understand the writings of Albert Camus, mm. not only do you have to understand the the person Colonial. and the time exactly you have yeah. to understand how he grew up you have to understand the thinkers that influenced him you have to understand the period of algiers where he lived in at the time mm-hmm. you have to understand his political inclinations and you have to understand what was the frame of mind that he wrote this book in like i really enjoy albert camus philosophy mm-hmm. his idea of absurdism and basically what he thought the most preeminent question in all of philosophy was should we commit suicide because that's basically asking, is life worth living? And he said, no, we should not commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing he said that I thought was very interesting is suicide essentially amounts to a confession. It is a confession that this life is either too much for you or you do not understand it. And one example he gave was as he came home from work one day, he learned that the apartment manager for the building he lived in had killed himself. He had thrown himself from the top of the building. And when he asked the people why, apparently his young daughter, who was only five years old, had died a few months earlier, and he literally could not live his life without her. Because his conception of who he was as a person was, I am a father, I'm a Mm -hmm. parent. And when you take away a person's conception of themselves, you take away their reason to live. Because the reason that he named his philosophy absurdism was that he thought that a human being's relationship to the universe was absurd. We're creatures that have a seemingly innate drive to seek out an innate purpose and meaning in the universe, but we live in a universe that 
even to call it a big uncaring machine is anthropomorphizing it as having a creator. Yeah. It's a universe that is completely incapable of providing us with innate intrinsic meaning. So that responsibility to create it for yourself is often too much for people. And there are a few reactions to that existential dread. Yeah. You can commit suicide, which is a very, very common reaction. Bury yourself in religion, bury yourself in sex and drugs and alcohol, which is, in my opinion, why a lot of famous artists and musicians and even politicians and people in positions of great power and authority have often done. They've lived lavish lifestyles because when you have enough, you know, it's like the Maslow's hierarchy of human needs we were talking about earlier. When you have time, and resources like a lot of upper middle class people do who experience a lot of self-loathing and depression mm -hmm. when you have time to consider your situation there was a french philosopher in the 1400s who made this uh, observation about kings no amount of pleasure or hedonism will possibly sustain you because you will think about your situation and you'll think about what you are and you'll think about how what you're doing in the end doesn't have an objective quality to it that gives you the purpose to do that as opposed to another thing mm -hmm. and you'll kind of enter into this level of despair because you're like am i doing the right thing with my life should i be doing this other thing should i be doing anything should i just kill myself now since i'm going to be dead an infinitely longer period of time than i've yeah. ever been alive and what albert camus thought we should do is embrace the like much like you said about embracing the negative aspects of yourself we have to embrace the absurdity of our situation yeah uh, the metaphor he came up with was so sisyphus are you guys familiar with the myth of sisyphus yes yeah then you know banished to the underworld roll the rock up the hill when sisyphus was first banished to the underworld obviously he was miserable just like when most people kind of come across this existential realization they're miserable mm -hmm and you think of the time when you believed you had innate purpose and he thought of the time when he was alive the sun on his face the warm touch of his wife and his children and he was truly distraught but after a while when he was able to acclimate to the situation and he was able to contemplate it he recognizes this is only a punishment if i choose for it to be yeah so he chose to take pride in rolling the boulder up the hill the gods could only punish him if he's conscious, and mm -hmm. he can consciously choose how he reacts to this situation. Right. So that's why I don't necessarily believe you have to love your job to be happy. Like, you can be happy. I'm not saying be happy in a situation where you're physically in pain, because right. that's not what Albert Camus was arguing for. It's you can become happy despite your relationship to the universe, not despite your relationship to other people or your actual situation of like, hey, you know, I go to work every day and someone literally punches me in the spine seven times yeah. and then I get kicked in the balls. It's like, I can be happy despite the fact that objective purpose isn't something I can achieve. Yeah. Like, basically, you are choosing to be happy anyway because why not? It's, it's like the, the, what's it called? What we were talking about punishments with Asian parents um, before Jesse got here. Yeah. Um, you weren't here for this conversation, but we were talking about, like, how, like, immigrant parents were, like, you know, were very, like, strict and, like, had, like, whatever, whatever punishment. Um, They're just but, different, man. Immigrant yeah. parents are different. So, um, what I was, I was, I was telling Jesse that, like, my mom hated punishing me. Not because, like, I made her feel bad for it, because, like, for me... Like, I understood, whenever I was a kid, I understood that I did a bad thing. And then I understood that this punishment is just a thing. 
that I have to go to through. Yeah. Because I was like, I did something bad. So then, like, my parents spanked me as a kid. I, I have no ill will against them for that. Yeah. Me and my parents have Same. very good relationships. Will I spank my kids in the future? Probably not. Um, but, like, you know, I'll, I'll, und- I'll let them understand why. I'm going to they- beat mine like a drum. <laughs> But like I'll I'll let them understand why they did why they did the thing they were they did bad. But like whatever. Um but like my mom was like, Yeah, I would hit you, like I would like spank you, whatever and then like you would just show no emotion. <laughs> and, like you would just be like stone cold, just, just like, like like I don't give a fuck. It's like, like yes, mother, administer like, the punch. Like but like but like in my mind I'm like I did the cro- I did something right. bad. I should be punished. It's like some it. karmic interpretation. Yeah, like here's some just like the natural order will be restored. Now. It's like whatever. Spank me. Like I was like <laughs> whatever. Like okay. Like I did something bad. This is what I do. What this is right. what I get for doing right. something bad. This I is totally the way. Understand? Like I I wasn't upset at my like even now whenever like sometimes like whenever I do something real bad like really bad at work and my manager is just like yeah. Hey, sorry, I have to like write you up for this. I'm just I, one time I came into work hungover and two hours late, and then mind you, I had a two a, two p.m. shift and I was hungover because I was drinking at nine uh, nine a.m. Um, Damn, uh, you do then, not strike me as a nine a.m. drinker. It was it was Keeneland, whatever. Okay. There um. You go. So then like. She was like, I have to write you up for this. I was like, I'm not angry at you. This is what you have to do. This is your job. Yeah. It's like, like I don't I don't have any ill will against her because she's just doing what she needs yeah. to do. It amazes to me how many people can't just accept that. Like, like right. so many people say, oh, my boss is such a fucking asshole. Like, they're literally just, you know, it's like me. I'm right. the person at the front of Whole Foods. It's like, can you please wear your mask over your nose? And some people are just like, fuck you. You're basically Hitler. And I'm like, dude, I'm not emotional invested in this no, situation but also also Wait, imagine, i don't care if you do it or not i just gotta say it but like in, in my opinion it's like too it's like if if being told to wear a mask is the most negative thing that someone has ever done to you you live a very privileged you've life. lived a great life I don't know. I think you've lived a shitty life if you have that like perspective. If someone's telling you to wear a mask, and you're like, "Ah, fuck you!" It's like I think you've probably went through some trauma, right? Like I think I somebody know. like f- f- shoved a fucking chicken sandwich up your ass. In my mind, it's just like you've lived such a privileged life where somebody tells they're just you what looking to do. for something to be no. oppressed in. I, it's like I don't you mentioned know. Before. I think I think you you were definitely like smacked around as a child. I don't know, there. man. I see people get out of Teslas without masks. <laughs> on walk into the store and i'm like excuse me sir could you please wear a mask and they're just like fuck you i don't i i think that i don't know like you were saying about getting ridden up at work that happened to me too it was like it was over the dumbest shit it was like we have this little sheet that you have to sign that you like sprayed stuff because covid and i just like i forgot to do it multiple times especially at the beginning because i was like i'll just spray the shit whatever i just lick every surface and like i got written and like my manager's like yeah i got you forgot to sign it i gotta write you up i was like that's fine yeah like like, even though it's stupid that like i did the thing i didn't sign it so you're written it's like but yeah whatever yeah i did it like again from a stoic point of view 
Yeah. They're just doing their job. You can't really, you yeah. can't punish them for doing their job right. because like, that's what they're supposed to be doing. Right. You, you were the one who were the who was the failure point. Yeah. Even if it was something small, small, you're just like, oh fuck, like whatever. Like, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, my bad. That's sorry, sorry, yeah, whatever. sorry, whatever. But like, yeah, it's just. But I don't know. I feel like that's different because I feel like we got on this topic because of my whole thing about Buddhism being nihilistic and just like. I, I, I find Buddhism like as a failure to live up to your potential because like you were saying about self-actualization like you don't think it's possible I think it's well, absolutely I think it's possible I, and as as like some people interpret it here's here's my philosophy about the whole thing I think you're born and your destiny your literal destiny your capability of things that you could do amount to maybe five to ten things right and like you may never ever ever come close to touching what those five to ten things might be because they might not even be like within our societal values right like for someone to self-actualize it might not even just be worth it like in society right like some people self-actualize by becoming great doctors or great thinkers or artists and because like we value that as a society we get to see that be like oh they did it right but like what if you're destined to be what a if great serial killer yeah right like, what if you're destined to like i don't know taste every type of grass there is in the world right like i mean like wheatgrass lemongrass long grass right yeah that's what i'm saying it's like there could be some great some stupid fucking skill that you have just the most natural talent yeah. for in the world that our you're... society doesn't value so you will never actually yeah. self-actualize because you'll never find that thing that you're good at because we live in a society, and there's a limited amount of things. We live in a society. Right, that's what uh, it is. Gamers rise up. Right, and it's just like that. I'm that 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 to me is my philosophy. Is that like you? There's something everyone will excel at. But like, what if you hate the thing you excel at? What if like you're? What if you have the potential to be better than Paganini at the know. violin, and you just don't like the violin? You're just like, I want to crush puss and make French fries all day. No, I don't know, but like. Again, for me, self-actualization isn't based off of doing a thing. It's based off of your happiness of yourself. If you are happy with yourself, you have been self-actualized. But how can be happy with yourself with not doing anything, though? Some people are happy with not doing anything. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Yeah, they're called homeless people. Like, fuck that. No, 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 some homeless people don't like like being homeless. Fuck. (laughs) I I would say most homeless people... I've never met someone who was homeless, and they were like, yeah, I really dig this situation. Uh, A lot of them are just... I mean, a lot... Most homeless people have mental health problems, yeah, and yeah. you know they're addicted to drugs, and they can't keep a stable yeah, but job. Like, but like again, I find I think we all have different ideas of what self-actualization yeah. is. Jesse's is a, like an ethereal self-actualization where it's just like it's something you are continuously trying to attain but never will. It's like that golden goose or like yeah. the snipe. Well, that's where, that's where that's where like art comes into play. Yeah. Because like when you if you play an instrument, you realize like there's always gonna be somebody better than you. You'll never well, like, be the greatest, but you do it because you like it. But you realize you yeah. realize that hey, I might not be the best at it at this. I might, but I'm I'm not, I might not be the worst at this. But I enjoy it and I find happiness in it. For me, that is self actualization. Right. Realizing but, that the negative things aren't honestly the life destroyers that that the negative things are intrinsic to everything yeah i understand that i might not be the smartest man in the world the most best looking 
but I enjoy the way I look and I enjoy yeah. the way I think. Right. And then that's the most important but thing. But see, to me, that's, that's where it comes in. It's like you have to do something. There has to be something that you do for you to self-actualize. You can't just be content with yourself and self-actualize because I think being content with yourself involves doing something. I think if you were to be content with yourself, you need to realize what you are being content about of yourself exactly well, genuinely speaking you you can't live your life doing nothing whether or not you do something you care about mm -hmm. you're st you're doing something no matter what even if it's like stealing enough food to get by or Shit. doing a I mean, job if you're good at it you're completely apathetic towards like some people are just content with going home like eating a little bit sitting in their room and then going to sleep, like for them, yeah. that's, they yeah. literally don't care about doing other things. I, and to me, that's self-actualization, personally. For, I definitely, for, right? for me too, it's just like, whenever I started college, I was like, again, I was like, fuck student organizations, fuck that. Yeah. But then I realized that like, when, there's the difference between having an easy life and then having a fun life. And having an easy life in college is definitely just going through your classes and just like getting whatever it yeah those yeah. people that are like c's but get like, degrees and they major in communications and they're yeah. boring and then yeah. but like i mean i was getting a's and b's and then one c in, chem in physics one uh not because i didn't wasn't smart enough but i was just didn't enjoy what i was doing yeah uh but like it was like i i was having an easy go at what i was doing but I wasn't having a fun time. And then for me, the pleasure of fun overcomes the difficulty of an easy life. Um, because yeah. because I now, I don't know if you guys know this, I am a president of two student organizations. Don't know how that fucking happened. Right. And I'm just Fuck doing, I'm just doing a bunch of random shit for like, for like, you know, everything. Right. Well, but, Joseph, like, I'm having a more enjoyable time. Yeah. And then that's more important to me. Now, whether or not you find an easy life better than a fun life, or fun is different, fun is easy to you. Well, it depends on if you get to choose what is fun, right? Because some people, okay, like, let's not say fun and easy. Let's say it's like some people have, some people get to choose an active or a passive the life. The difficulty yeah. that they pursue, right? For you, it's like being a part of two student organizations like that's difficult right that's yeah. time consuming that's effort that's motivation but you got to choose to do that some people are born with no left hand and they're black in like the middle of chicago and like they're you know they, they don't get to choose that difficulty true right it's true, like when true. you're in a place i come from a very privileged place yeah. where i could choose between being easy that's and a, that i think that's that should be a good measure of like where this idea of privilege comes in it's like were you able to choose your difficult path or was it prescribed to you if yeah. anything i think your situation is very much reflective of what a lot of postmodern philosophers have been kind of advising people to do in the recent decades because this idea of this disconnection from society that a lot of people are currently feeling that lead to such levels of profound isolation mm -hmm. like you know the suicide rate for straight white men in this country is actually pretty high yeah even though you know we like we lack a lot of the barriers that a lot like you know the suicide rate for trans women of color is high and you can be like okay that makes sense it's yeah. bad that it's high but 
with the way they get treated, it makes sense that that's happening. But then you're like, okay, how come like these privileged people that are living such a, you know, a privileged life are committing suicide? And it's just like the profound sadness that you experience and that I've experienced and that I feel a lot of people in this economically privileged ex like lifestyle experience comes from a sense of disconnection and the way you fixed it is the same remedy that these philosophers have been prescribing it's community mm -hmm. you have to yeah. build community because like how you said a lot of people like white women especially try to find some nugget of discrimination in their own life that they can latch on to that way they can identify with the group of people that are discriminated or against not and even not even just that like mom groups yeah like I mean, mom facebook groups were just like the anti-vaxxers and shit like that it's not I, probably at first they were like they weren't like i am gonna look for anti-vaxxer stuff but they found a community that they could identify with yeah and then they could be a part of and then they could that would accept them exactly and yeah. then their ideologies ended up being anti-vaxxers yeah community is something that because human beings evolved you know it's just like how people are like how come we're only really in great shape for like the first 30 years of our life well because we evolved to be have that be our reproductive period and we evolved to meet short-term goals to survive long enough to reproduce to meet more short-term short-term goals to help our offspring then reproduce and so on and so forth until you're dead and nowadays we have completely circumvented that short-term goals done long-term goals done think about your life oh shit we didn't evolve yeah. for that yeah that's a that's a it's, that's the next step it's right? like it's again it's like the depression that comes with privilege the depression yeah. of i have shit that I every all of my shit is clean, mm -hmm. you know my slate, perfect. Right. But I feel bad because my shit is clean. See, yeah. I like to make this analogy. It's just like everybody eats shit, right? Like no matter if you're privileged, if you're not privileged, everyone eats shit. It's just some people's shit tastes way better than others. Yeah. But you still have to eat shit. Yeah. Right. And like when you're privileged growing up and you eat shit, and then you realize like this shit tastes really good. Dude, um, yeah, if I had to do, but like, I'm still sad, that, right? Yeah, like, like yeah. you said earlier, just like, but like, but I still don't feel good. Like, I, I still have to eat shit, yeah. though. Yeah, it's like how a lot of Asian people with their minority status, they kind of get to flip yeah. on that line of basically being treated like what white people, no, while also uh, you being able a white man. Yeah, does they invoke to... your privilege on me. Yeah, you're damn right, I did, bitch. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you guys get to identify with the marginalized communities. And yeah. you said yourself that like being a half Asian man is like the ultimate state of privilege because you get this level of identification with marginalized communities where I they think. include you in kind of their view where it's like fucking white people. I am will I right? say, yeah, I get to rip on white people with black people. It's like no, the no, most no, no. funny thing in the world. I, I will say, once I knew that Paris was half Japanese, like got another Asian man. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, no, for like, real though. For real. Like, for real. For like, real. I, I, I was just like, oh yeah, Paris, cool guy. Yeah. Like, 100%, whatever. Yeah, like, it's like, sweet, Asian, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah I mean, we'll I was uh, telling Joseph before this started that I once went into this Asian grocery store to buy prawn, uh, prawn, prawn crisps. Yeah. Because they're really fucking good if you guys haven't tried them yet. Oh, dude. And 
Who does he think we Maybe are? So. <laughs> Not you guys, people listening. <laughs> but, uh, Have we tried them yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, when I was in there, just like the shopkeepers and these other people were just shooting me these looks like, look at this fucking white guy in here. And then, like, I saw a black guy in there and, like, I just had this wave of instant relief, like, you and me, man. Like, <laughs> right, right. we're in this together. Like we're not them. It's more or less how we, like, identify with each other. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. like, if I went to Japan and I saw a black guy with an American flag on his backpack, I just right. go up to him, like, bro, you and me, this yeah. place is fucking weird. Yeah, am I no, right? No, no, like, as a, I, I, I will say, even though I am a Filipino man, and I'm proud to be a Filipino man, yeah, I am. I wouldn't say like I, I don't look explicitly Filipino. I, I am kind of like culturally like ambiguous, ambiguous in an Asian sense. Like I yeah. could be like whatever Asian you want me to be, and I could right. probably figure. I could probably pretend for long enough to make like any person of that who is not that nationality be yeah. like. He could be. He could, yeah. be, he could be like he's I don't know Chinese. He could be Korean, he's, whatever. He's but like, Taiwanese, yeah. Yeah, sure. like, I've gotten Taiwanese before a lot. Um, and then, um, but like, it's that same thing. Just like, whenever I'm in Asia, I'm just like, I I feel like I'm just like another like whatever in the book. But whenever I hear another Asian part, like another American or whatever speak, I'm just like, "Yo, brother, what's right, up?" Right, like yeah. I was, I was oh, in football up top. I was in, uh, <laughs> I was in the pub in Shibuya. Yeah. And then. Um, yeah, they have those there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really, I, I, I've, I've been to that exactly. Yeah. I know exactly what you're you, talking about. Is I've it the one, one in the basement? Yes. Yes, yes I yes, know what you're talking. Absolutely. I was, I was yeah. there with one of my friends. And then this dude, this white dude, started speaking Japanese to me. Granted, I know a little bit of Japanese because yeah. I'm a fucking weeaboo. Um, <laughs> so then, um, so then he asked me if this girl is my girlfriend, and I was like, No, 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 she's just my friend. And then he looked at me and was like, Why do you know English? And I was like, Cause I'm American. <laughs> and then he was like, Wait, what? And I was like, Yeah, I'm from Kentucky. And then <laughs> she's like, I was like, She's from Kentucky as well. Right. We're, we're friends from high school. And then she, he was like what the fuck right. and i was like he was like i was like where are you from he's like i'm from texas <laughs> and, but like there was like that community of just like hey yo like we know like yeah we know some shit that nobody else knows and i feel like yeah. that's a lot of the thing of culture of just like hey yo we're doing some shit that nobody else knows that we're doing right and it's 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 like our secret code and that's how we know it's like you know how inside jokes are a big thing with friend groups oh yeah yeah you know and then being a part of an inside joke means that you're a part of the group mm -hmm. whenever you're a part of that inside joke a part of that culture cultural inside joke you're just like <laughs> fuck yeah brother yeah like you know and then that's why like Again, Jesse, whenever you saw that black dude in the in the just Asian like, grocery store, you, you were and just me, like, man. "Brother, what's up?" Right. But like, you know, that's because like you were in an, in a situation where the differences outweighed the similarities. Yeah. And I I think that in my in my opinion, um, so like you know whenever have you you guys are both you have both done science shit. Yeah. You know, you know, whenever you look at things and you take a control sample and then you remove the static background mm -hmm. from the control sample and then you're left with just the, the, the peaks and valleys of the, the leftover differences. Yeah. I think, I think culture and just people in general are exactly like that. 
yeah. you become so desensitized of yourself that you re you you forget the different you forget the similarities you have between this person that person this other person there's always and then a you situation only notice where the differences there's yeah. always a situation where you will identify with a person that you would initially think is more different from you because if that was flipped and if like i was in an african market full of like black people and then i saw one asian person i'd be like you and me man like, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly exactly like you you have you have this baseline yeah and you don't notice the baseline anymore Right. You right. you you only notices the notice the difference from the baseline until it's but taken once, away from you. Yeah, yeah. And then um, one of one of the uh, one of my friends, uh, which I won't name, uh, but he is he's very intelligent man. He was a teacher in Eastern Kentucky. He mm. lived in his family's from Eastern Kentucky, and he's a lawyer, or he's a non-practicing lawyer right now, um, and. We were talking to him about whenever, not not the race stuff started, but like whenever a lot of like the riots in Minnesota started and a mm-hmm. lot of like the cultural discussion between the cultures between African-American people and white people and like, you know, the, 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 the discrimination was becoming more and more apparent in, in, in the United States. Not, not that I'm just I'm saying more apparent. Not that it wasn't happening before, but it was become it was becoming more of a social issue. I would say the George Floyd yeah. thing really kind of. Yes, yeah, it was it was after that. Yeah, and uh, the Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say those were like the the, that, the the threshold, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the action potential, it's like you yeah, had to yeah. reach a certain amount, so and now the, it's like, all right, now we're doing it. Even though like analogy. there've and, been millions of other situations similar to that, which yeah. have well, activated I mean, that. It's but. just like the threshold for action potential. A million stimulation can happen one after another, but if they're not in quick enough succession, yeah. it'll never elicit the discharge oh. that makes the neuron yeah. fire. Yeah, yeah. So, the fact that Floyd, that George Floyd and Brianna, T- well, Brianna Taylor happened months earlier. Earlier, yeah but it gained media traction just as he had been killed and that's what made the neuron fire mm-hmm. and made the action go into motion so yeah. he said something that was very very like smart like very very well thought argument to me and then he was he was talking about the differences between soft racism and hard racism mm-hmm. where soft racism is something like you would find in a place where you know, people might just not know better, but then once you get them get get them to to acclimate and to socialize with other people of different races, mm-hmm. they they will probably change their ideology rather than hard racism, where it's just like, it's like explicit explicit like, like yeah. black people are bad. Yeah. Um. Please do not do not like take that quotation out of out of like you know. Out of context. Whatever. Sorry, Joseph. I'm gonna download this podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna sound bites, man. Yeah, yeah. But Joseph like, Tapia. Black people are bad. Right. Just like, have a fucking you know, button on the podcast. Black people me, are bad. He was talking to me about like the soft racism in Eastern Kentucky, where it's like it's just like you know you're taught it, but you don't know any better. But then if you were to if you were to talk to an African American person or a black a black person, yeah. And then you were talking to them, and then you got to know them, you would realize that what you were taught was bad. And he was telling me that there's a lot more similarities in in Appalachian communities 100%. than African American communities. Yeah. He was saying that he was talking to me. He was say, he's saying like, imagine if you were an Appalachian person, and then 
once you started talking to somebody, once you started talking to a, a store owner, or once you started talking to a sales associate and they heard your country accent, mm -hmm. they would start assuming that you were, you know, from the boonies. Yeah. Uh, yeah uneducated. Done. You may have gone, come here to steal something. You don't know anything about the area. And then imagine if you didn't have to say anything, if it was written on your face. That you were that, and people instantly thought once they saw your face, they were you were uneducated. You weren't from that area, yeah. and you don't belong there. Yeah, and then that's you. You would sorry. notice the similarities between the Appalachian rural communities versus the African American communities. Yeah, yeah. And while granted, you are still a white person. You you start noticing that like that discrimination in that aspect, yeah. And then afterwards, you can build upon that. You can have that cultural rapport, and uh, I, that cultural rapport for me, granted, has been a big part of my life. Again, I talked about how my family was in Eastern Kentucky, and being like talking about my culture has always been a thing about like a thing that my parents have done. And a thing that my parents have done to like the community and their friends and stuff like that. And I am more than happy to talk about my culture to other people. And like if somebody asks me a question, as long as it's in good faith, and I always assume it's in good faith. Yeah. That's whenever I'll be happy to answer it answer for it mm -hmm. like you know if somebody were to be like hey do filipino people eat dogs i'm I'd just be like ah like probably like i don't know anybody who has eaten dogs but it's pro it may have happened you know and like more in places where that's like more difficult where they're running out of food right. and i don't i but like i don't like explicitly know yeah. that but like that's just like again i'm i'm not taking any malice out of it i just want to help inform other people because how else are other people going to know right. what is right and wrong, what Filipinos do and don't do, if they if I don't talk about it, if I'm not open about it? If somebody was like, yeah. "Do you do, do Filipino people eat dogs?" I'm like, "What the fuck? Like, did you just <laughs> you say that to me? Just, uh, like, yeah. uh, like, but like, what what do they get from that? They get like, oh, I can't ask this question. Yeah, yeah. they don't get like, oh, like this is the answer to the question. They're just they're just taught like, I don't know the answer. To I got this. asked. This is my first semester in like the science courses I took, and I was I was already a senior, but there was a freshman girl that was like in our little group, and halfway through the semester she asked me, "Do Japanese and Chinese people speak the same language?" What? And I was just like, I was, I was just like, uh, yes. <laughs> well, like, you know, I was like, just like, what? How else are you? How else is she gonna know yeah, without asking exactly. a question? That's why. That's and, why. Anytime anybody asks me any question about right. culture, about my culture specifically, you just assume that they they're coming they, from an actual place of curiosity. Yeah. You know, you you assume the best yeah. out of people. You're like, I I understand that people get tired of hearing the same cultural mistakes levied their way all the time. Yeah. I remember I saw this tweet recently. It was from a man who was clearly Chinese, and he was pointing out uh, like the Chinese phonetic system and how you would pronounce certain names uh, 
based on like what the Anglican lettering of it was. And like the tone of the tweet was, he was just like kind of pissed that he had to explain this. And I'm like, like, dude, I understand that you've probably had your name yeah. mispronounced a bunch, but do you, like, do you really expect me to understand Chinese phonetics? Yeah. Like, that, that, that's the thing, right? That's the thing with minorities that I'm like upset about. It's like, dude, you, you can't get mad at. You can't just be like, white people always have all these questions about. It's like, yeah. Do you no know how shit. to pronounce Indian names? Right. Yeah. It's like you would have questions too. Like, and like that's where I like. I, the, I totally, the, the benefit of the doubt yeah. that you talked about. It's I like, think let's it should go both, the both ways. Yeah, exactly. Like, there, there was a time we, my family was at church, mm-hmm. and then the pastor was like, "Happy, happy, like Lunar New Year to the Filipino community," because like the Filipino community yeah. goes to church all the time, and like Filipinos don't really celebrate Lunar commu- Lunar New Year because again, Spanish colonization. Right. But we were just right. like, oh yeah, whatever. He was trying to be nice. Yeah. It's like, like, yeah, like, thank it's you. like okay. Sure. And like if. That's the thing um, with ultra progressive people that I hate. It's yeah, just it's like, like, what do you just do the lunar year? That's a microaggression. It's like, uh, and no. like the most of the people that do that kind of garbage, they're trying to, they're trying to. There, there's a difference between an actual microaggression, right? Than just like somebody out of trying to be nice and inclusive, you know. But and, the thing is, is that the people that get outraged about that shit are like white people. Yeah. That's what bothers me yeah, the most. I, like, I, was like, I, I wasn't upset whenever right. I heard it. I was just like, huh. Like, I, that, that's the thing I hate the most is when, like, progressive white people try to get upset on the behalf of other people. I'm just like, what? I promise you. I promise you. A- Asians don't really care if you're just like, you eat dogs. It's like, no, I don't. That's the end of it. Yeah, that, but when what? some, like, fucking progressive-ass Becky is just like, you can't do that. That fucking my car crash and you're a fucking racist. Cancel, can't. It's like, stop. Stop talking about it. Like, like it's I'm not, not a big deal. I've like, experienced not... a lot more right. discrimination than you eat dog. That's just, like, yes. whatever to me now. That's, like, whatever. I, I, I can't stand this, like, the progressivism and it's like white people it's it's white people really are like the root of all the problems with race it's just that what's like it's like a they perpetuated the racist ideals in the first place which is bad and now they're trying to make up for it which is like i think it's not just as bad i think but it's like bad in a different way there's some people That's who are overcorrecting is. yeah and then my opinion overcorrection go on one not not so much of a bad thing but that you're going to overboard and just understand that some people are ignorant and it's okay to be ignorant that's what i'm saying as long as you're accepted or uh, excuse me some people are stupid and then it's okay to be stupid that's what it is as long as you accept like that you're stupid and you're accepting of other people like you know of right. like feedback well now it's... if you're ignorant and you're like willfully ignorant and just be right. like I don't want to learn. Yeah. And other Asian people eat dogs all the time. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, that's whenever it becomes a problem. Okay, but yeah. if somebody was just like, ah, don't Asian people eat dogs? I'll be like, no. And they're like, right. oh, okay. Right. And then that's like, that's it. But then uh, but some people are like, you're a racist for even asking that question. And it's like, now these people get further radicalized yeah. into some other yeah. bullshit ideas because they feel like they can't talk about yeah. it. And I'm like, I'm, look, look, I mean, look, look. I don't know about like, you guys, but I got some pretty dangerous recommendations on YouTube when I was like 13 that really could have messed up my development as a human being. Like, I, like remember that guy who's the founder of the Proud Boys? I got recommended some of his videos when I was a like a pretty little kid. Really? And like, you know, back then I, I would watch literally any like I watched some Leafy's I want I subscribed to Leafy is here when I was young. 
And like, I didn't even watch any of his videos. It was just like, this guy's got like 5 million subs. He must make good content. Click. I don't know who that is. Leafy is here was like this guy on YouTube who was really cancerous. Basically, all he did was make fun of people. And like, he wasn't even good at it. And he was super sensitive himself if you ever made fun of him. But, uh, and he pretty much got laughed off the platform. But now That's he's making a comeback. That's yeah. the worst. But, well, uh, you know, I it's think... just really easy to be like... Again, I got recommended the videos of a man who started a white supremacist hate group. Yeah. And, like, initially, his video, like, I, I remember I was watching one of them because I was like, why did I get recommended this? Let's see what he's all about. And at first, it was just him talking about all this, like, like stuff that's pretty non weird it was just like yeah i saw this couple the other day two women and like i should have realized at first how homophobic he was being because it was a lot more obvious but you know dumb 13 year old i couldn't pick right. up on subtext and just like as he kept going i started to realize oh wait a minute this guy's like really racist right, and this homophobic guy, like, this guy like hates these people and i'm like oh i don't know why i got recommended this and like clicked out of it but like shit there's a lot of guys out there that are still grappling with the fact that they got recommended some fucked up shit on YouTube when they were a yeah. bit too young. Yeah. There's there's also that one thing where like I I I you know, read something on the internet where I was just like it was about like uh for like whenever like people whenever like very homophobic people say like being gay is a choice and then they're just like, yeah, it's a choice because for them it's a choice because they're pro like a lot of homophobic people are gay. are gay yeah and for yeah. them they are choosing to not be right, gay. right and then that's why they see it as a choice for that, other people that's such a good and, point that's and like, such a great point because like there there's um again i wouldn't say i'm like the most religious person yeah. but like i think that there are some people who in the religious community that have a good ideal of like you know have a good head on them there's this Filipino priest at, or a Filipino monk at the at Gethsemane, and then like all the Filipinos used to like, uh, we like, there's still some Fil like a lot of Filipinos who like go and like visit him on his birthday and like our family still does and we still like you know say hello to him, and he has said, he's he said some of the most profound shit because he's he like. Really doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. He's like he's uh he's like the coolest guy you'll ever talk to. Uh, he's he said some like very dirty jokes and it's like just like you know just like enjoys life, being a monk and having like just monk responsibilities. But he like does a lot of thinking, um and then he was like yeah, a lot of the priests who go over in like too far in religion, are doing it because they are doing something that is very not religious and not aligning with God. So mm. then they are doing the the super religious things right. to make up It's just like a for, massive cognitive yeah. dissonance. So no or no not not even that to make up just like for for like compensatory like to, to compensate. Yeah. yeah. To compensate for the the negative things they As, do. It's like when you see those senators or like local whatever representatives that like get caught fucking little boys yeah and they're or like, like supremely against gay marriage it's like, or like what in the or world? he was talking about like the priests who get he he was like yeah. yeah they're the priests who get caught like touching little boys and it's just like they were they a lot of the time they're the super religious people yeah and it's because they're super religious because they were doing the negative thing 
they were trying to overcompensate yeah. with the overly positive thing. That's what that they were that they were like really hammering at home right. about to hide the fact that they were doing the See, negative thing. That's the kind of suspicion I get around super progressive people, where I'm just like. Mm-hmm. You're like low-key yeah. behind a racist, yeah. and then you're like you're like compensating, really right? Because like you're racist, but you're also like so attached to what people think about you that you're like acting out. Like these so are like, the guys that are trying to pick up girls at a Black Lives Matter rally, talking about how right. they're so progressive. And yeah, like, yeah, baby, let me talk about this Leninist Marxist theory with you. Right. And then they go home and you they like say Michelle the N word. Yeah, I'm they, a male feminist. They go like, home and they say the N word in cod lobbies. Uh, right, and I'm just like that. That's what that's what sketches me about about people that are like virtue signaling all this crap about like oh social justice like like people when you're are, that passionate about something it's like that means that there's something deep down inside that's driving you that you feel tremendously guilty about that you just can't shake and so the, you gotta like and you're yeah. not coming to term you're not. Okay. Like we said earlier, right? You're not accepting those negative aspects yeah. about you're, yourself. You're not accepting that implicit bias that right. you have. Right. And now you're just like, it. it now it, it doesn't feel genuine. Like you yeah. can tell when people are not genuinely like speaking, right? Like yeah. it's 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 I, not even one of those things you can explain. You can just like think about it. You're like it's when you see who's that mega church guy? Um, oh, dude, Joel Olstein. Joel Olstein. Yeah. You look at him and you're like. No fucking way you think these things. Like, you are doing something dirty. I mean, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. I- I'm just going to say it. Being homophobic is gay. Because when you really think about it, you're thinking about another man. Another man is inside your brain. That means another man's inside your body. That means yeah. you're basically fucking him. I, you're, like, that's gay right. as hell. I, that, that's a thing, man. I think, and it's all ideology, right? It's all ideas. It's nothing more than just, like, the ideas in your head... And how you interpret them. And all of a sudden, like, the idea is more powerful than your actual will to control it. And, like, you get stuck with the idea. And the idea becomes you. And then all of a sudden, now you don't know. You have no guidance. Because, like we said earlier, right? There's no answer. There's no objectivity. There's no. It's absurdity. Everything is absurd. But you latch onto that idea that you just know is just right. And then, like, you execute your life based on that. Even though it creates this dissonance in your mind that you're like, wait a second. I actually like to fuck little boys. I can't be a Catholic. But well, I mean, I think a lot of those Catholics. people, they were raised in, like, that Catholic environment or whatever religious environment, mm-hmm. and then they realized, oh, bo- uh-oh, SpaghettiOs, I'm gay. Uh, yeah. It's God. just like, I think, I think if anything, this whole, like, postmodern movement about how nothing means anything anymore is like a wake-up call to be like, hey, following some rigid ideology just doesn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't work. I'm sorry. Like, we, we've gotten... Actually, not that it doesn't work. It's that we've gotten past the point where it used to work. And now it just doesn't because... I, I'm sorry. There's too much information. That's, there's that's too much actually, variability. Uh, one of Friedrich... So, when Friedrich Nietzsche was, like, writing his philosophy, he felt compelled to write his philosophy because he was worried about the growing threat of true nihilism upon European culture. Because, mm. basically... When the Age of Enlightenment came across in Europe, people were starting to believe, okay, instead of just accepting everything as religious providence, we can use the scientific method to figure out the best way to live our lives. Like, using science and reason, we'll Mm -hmm. find the best way to eat, the best way to sleep, the best way to think and do and breathe and act. And Friedrich Nietzsche believed, okay, uh, 
the scientific method has kind of failed us. Like the promise of the age of enlightenment yeah. has not come through. Reason has well, not provided us with the best life to isn't live. Isn't the age of enlightenment kind of coincide with like Christianity's ideal that the individual is sovereign, right? Like, because before then it was just like... Well, I mean, genuinely in ancient Christianity, the individual sovereignty wasn't really the conception. It was like, you are a tool created by right. god to adore him but like christianity kind of like led to that enlightenment ideal right where it's just like well, you it wasn't really christianity leading to that enlightenment ideal a lot of those philosophers were secular more than anything uh, a lot of, so a lot of people conflate those philosophers as being purely reason many of them were like religious and many of them were secular but the defining like accomplishment of the age of enlightenment was that people no longer tried to separate reason from faith and instead believed that they could coincide but what nietzsche thought was since a lot of people are kind of turning away from religion in this instance because a lot of people did at that time and they're focusing entirely on like reason mm -hmm. to provide them a, like how they should live their life he thought okay that's not going to work and he was right it didn't well that's and, why he said god is dead right god yeah, is dead and we killed him exactly and that's the excerpt from his essay the parable of the madman where basically a figure who was a lot like Diogenes the Cynic came running into town saying that God was dead and that we had killed him. And what he was saying wasn't that God was a living or even like ethereal figure that existed. God it was an was idea an, that we yeah, created. Exactly. God was an idea that we created to understand a world that we were not equipped to understand. And now, now that, that we do we have, have science, the, yeah, now not. that we do have the tools to understand right. it. And there's also another part of the metaphor that people often leave out, like the lightning has crashed, but the sound has not reached their ears. The light of the stars, take it will take time for this discovery to reach them. Yeah. So too does the light of the stars take time to reach the eyes to perceive it. Like people, right. like God has already been killed in like this conception of reason kind of proving that some of these religious texts don't make sense in that context. And as a result, if you can't like it's becoming harder and harder for a reasonable person to say that this is true so eventually and you know kind of like that metaphor of you see the lightning flash but you don't hear it yet mm -hmm. like it's happened the stimulus just hasn't reached you yeah so and you're in this like weird limbo yeah. between like, like seeing one stimulus and like actually perceiving it for for me like religion especially like again growing up as like roman catholic yeah for me it, now whenever i look at like catholicism for me it's not just like this is what like god said this this is it i just think of just like think of it as like another sect of philosophy yeah you know religion. just like uh religion is just again what we were talking about a community that you could join that where you have like-minded yeah. of individuals and you have a like-minded ideology and phil uh, philosophy that you can follow and you can converse with. N um, and, like, through church, through, like, ceremony, through whatever. Um, and then you have just, like, you know, that that's, that's what religion is for. And there are some things where I'm like, yeah, like, love thy neighbor? Cool. I love other people. Yeah. Like, I, I'm cool with that. But there's some other things where it's just like, you know, like, that's 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Times have changed. People have changed. Well, I feel like a lot of the things that were, like, 
stated in like the Bible or anything like yeah. that. We're more intuitive back then. Yeah. It was just if like you, if you were a somebody, if you were a like a peasant in early like Mesopotamia or like or not early Mesopotamia because that was like negative. It's like two thousand BCE. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like if I'll you were like that. Or, yeah yeah. But if you were like you know a land like a farmer slash like what like like whatever mm-hmm. animal man in a shepherd? Um, a shepherd in ancient rome or whatever those ideologies would make a lot more sense easily it's, also, it's yeah. also important to remember the bible's been translated a lot of times mm-hmm. actually one of the main tenets of islam that i like a lot is that the Quran is not supposed to be translated out of Arabic. Yeah. Like, if you want to become Muslim, you're supposed to learn Arabic to read yeah. it as it was originally written. Yeah. Because, trans, like, you know, put something into Google Translate it's like and subbed you and lose a anime, lot of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, even out of that, like, <laughs> out of that, my dad got into a car wreck yes, yesterday, two oh, days shit. ago. And then um, he, his first words whenever he came out was, uh, uh, translates literally to i'm alive like it, whenever whenever he came home he trans it translates to i'm alive mm-hmm. uh but like the 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 way he says it right and then the way it was you know like the general like context of it the better translation of it is i survived mm-hmm. now what is the more realistic translation because I was texting my... Th- this came up because I was texting my coworker about it. I was telling him about... Like, he was, like, asking me how my dad was. And I was like, yeah, the first thing he texted me... He, he said whenever he came home was, I'm alive. And then I looked at it. And I was like, that's... That doesn't... That doesn't... That it, doesn't yeah. feel right. Yeah. You know, because the Tagalog doesn't translate into English that well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, I think I survived is a, a more better. apt translation even though it's not as realistic and it's not just right. language to language it's thought to language even when we speak the same one yeah it's very difficult to translate the way you feel no matter what because like nietzsche's main goal with that philosophy wasn't just to supplant religion it was he was worried that people would become nihilist and like true nihilists don't yeah. really see a point in living like a nihilist right. who is like a real nihilist will just lay down and let themselves die and he basically thought man is constantly evolving and we can either evolve into the untermensch the underman the last man who is comfortable, mm-hmm. who is content with his situation, right. who never tries to better himself or improve the things around him, or we can become the superman, the ubermensch, the upper man, and that he believes that mankind as our current form is like a rope, a bridge that must be crossed so that we can evolve to this better form. Yeah. And since we've gotten rid of natural selection for the most part, yeah. we are charting our own course for what our species is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And basically, unfortunately, when Nietzsche died, uh, his estate went to his sister, whose husband was a Nazi, and like was like, mm, these books are good. Time to add a little Nazi propaganda to it. So people thought he was a Nazi when he actually was like, anti-Semitism is stupid. Yeah, yeah. But uh, basically, he was trying to save people from nihilism and worked himself into oh, madness. Yeah, because like nihilism is like the worst way to live your life, right? That's like what you see on like social media, people that just like 
common negative things on anything it's just like you're just not you just have no you're yeah, just like, you're just crabs in a bucket right why, you're just why, like it doesn't why? matter brent come back down you're trying no don't try don't try just like come back down here nobody yeah, gets to be no happy. One's, right and it's like yeah. the worst form of that is like anarchy right it's like it's like purposefully like fucking everyone else's hard work and like good intentions up just because you're like ah oh, it doesn't matter doesn't I matter i wouldn't even you. say that's anarchy yeah i would say sake, that's animosity yeah for the sake of philosophical fairness like yeah. when people because i don't agree with anarchy i think it's a really stupid system but uh it's the not anar- a system well technically the anarchist philosophers would say that anarchy as they would describe it is just a complete unilateral distribution of power like no one has authority and official capacity over anybody else honestly anarchy is really similar to like true libertarianism and i think both those systems are dumb as shit yeah but it's just like i think that's completely opposed to human nature i think we look yeah. to leaders yeah. right we like that's why co- like, we look to leaders and we look to community and right and that again that's what we were talking about right everybody wants to be part of a community yeah. everybody because anarchy right now is a community in and of itself because you find other anarchists True. who want but to then join all of a sudden part. you're in an anarchist community and there's a leader and you're like wait a second that's not anarchy yeah. and oh, then it's like it, all just, right. it destroys itself to, who's supposed to be the team leader in this right. anarchy it's like, no everyone for themselves and then they yeah, all like, die out because it's not like a real philosophy you know, like all these people who do support the <laughs> idea of anarchist communes like I don't support that because you know these are the same people that are like police brutality is a problem and it is yeah. but like you know if you're in this but it's a good thing that we have a group of people who are trained and prepared to enforce the law right. because otherwise you just get a bunch of kangaroo courts and vigilante yeah. justice it's, and lynching like there's police brutality it's, like, it's a problem what's the solution burn down the grocery stores it's like, no 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 it's what? like it's like uh, the the anarchy subreddit having moderators like, <laughs> like do you understand right. do you understand what anarchy means yeah it's it just like it's not a system that works without the presence of another system to exactly. destroy like, it's there, just like it, there's it's, no such thing as a system that doesn't have leaders that's like, why yeah. i believe it's not you you weren't saying anarchy you were saying animosity well i guess yeah but no what what i get to the anarchy like it's like the ultimate form of nihilism that's what i was saying is that i think anarchy is just like this like completely defeated state of being where you're just like the only way that my existence has any purpose is to demise other existences and i'm just like that's like the worst way to live ever right yeah that is literally crabs in a bucket that is literally like it's bad for me it's bad for me it's got to be bad for you and the less bad it is for you, that's, the more mad I am. That, that's like, how that's how my parents always talked about how like Filipinos were in the Philippines. Yeah, like, it's well, like very crabs in the bucket. Like right. nobody wants anybody else to succeed, and whenever there is, there's a lot of envy in it. Yeah. I, whenever I will say, whenever I was in I hate Japan, that shit. yeah. Whenever I went to Japan for the first time, I was I was literally kind of angry. Because I was just like, I, I wasn't say angry, I was kind of jealous. Because I was just like, damn, like the Philippines could be like this. Because, like, the Philippines after World War II compared to Japan, the Philippines was in a lot better spot, you know? Yeah. Uh, just because, like, you know, they, they may, like, they might not, may have not had that cultural history or, like, whatever. Or the but, uh, atomic bomb. Or the atomic bomb. But, like, you know, <laughs> they, they helped support the, like, american troops and that helped invigorate yeah. the co- economy 
and then if they were able to just like disconnect from that and like especially the marcos era uh, of the philippines where he was like the dictator of the philippines there's a lot of corruption mm -hmm. and that helps start corruption everywhere else in the philippines that so, like in my mind i was just like damn like the philippines could be like yeah. like this like like japan where it's like you know a lot more modernized there's a lot less struggle but then there's just so much corruption where that wasn't attainable that's an interesting thing about japanese government is like the surprising lack of like there's i would there's i would say there's corruption but then but there's, it's it's not nearly on the yeah. scale as like america or it's like under like, like very under yeah or it's like it's like it doesn't fuck people over yeah, so it's bad corruption to the extent where they're like okay we're in charge but like Let's just make things nice and get ourselves yeah. co it, good. It's stuff it's like in the, the process. kind of corruption when like your your local office like has a certain budget and if like if they go under budget then like the next year they're not gonna get this as big of a budget so you start buying shit just because it's like well, well we like, want to keep our same budget that. right yeah. yeah it's like it's like that kind of corruption where it's like kind of practical yeah in a way utilitarian yeah but you know that that's something that japanese people really aren't is nihilist well actually there's like a growing population that's very has the whole neat population where they're just like there's no purpose to anything and like you see how bad that is but most people in japan regardless of how shitty their like circumstances are they're like their life or their job or their entire being is it's like they have they feel I, a sense of purpose that's like this job or this f whatever i will say for filipinos kind of corollary to that no matter how bad the situation is there i wouldn't say there's a sense of purpose but there's always a sense of community or like, like duty to that community i wouldn't even say duty to the community there's yeah. just like there's just a sense of community and like fellowship speaking through, of through corruption it's interesting did you guys hear the phone call of like trump with the governor I've, of georgia I've, I've i haven't listened of, to it i haven't yeah. listened to it but i've heard of it yeah i, I listened to it it was it's Speaking just wild like he literally just told him yeah find the 11,470 oh votes god. i need can i get a yikes in chat a yikes oh my please. god okay so looking at the election results right yeah so warnock is beating waffler by 35,000 votes with most of the ballots counted it looks like he's a lock honestly aren't there two people running yeah the other one is david purdue versus the awesome john ossoff guy and that's tied 50 50 percent but david purdue the republican has 1300 votes uh, over john with nearly all the ballots counted. honestly speaking this has this been is, like the closest election this is insane uh, like i know you guys don't have as many conservative people in your life because my parents are hella conservative i've really tried no, to seek I, them um, out so i'll tell you guys right now like you know how like the, the presidential election is over like joe biden won yeah there's no legitimate dispute of that people in my family legitimately still believe that like there is a chance that donald trump is going to get four more years in the white house yeah like I, they legitimately hope for and believe that despite any lack of evidence and whenever i say well what's your source for that they're just like well i've seen it in credible places and i'm like can can you show me the credible places and they just don't I I will say that my fam my mom like my I would say my mom this is like every like the Trump presidency has like my mom was like slightly conservative not like crazy like blah, 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 but like you know yeah. just like 
if she were, had to lean more left than right, she would lean a little bit right, but she was pretty neutral. She didn't yeah. really. She really didn't. Tell really my I think a lot of Asians yeah. are like that in general. And then, and then once like the Don, the Donnie came in, she was like, "Nah, fuck that shit. See yeah. you later." Mm, um, not my parents, unfortunately. But, like, but I will say the the one thing that like. I feel like most immigrant families, and from what I've talked to, like, my some of my other immigrant friends, is that, like, who have, like, gained citizenship, a lot of them are still, like, in terms of immigration, very conservative. They, like, they have that ide- ideology of, like, we had to go through all these processes, all the right ways. It's like hazing for fraternities. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. like... We had to go through all the right things and all the, like, difficulties to get through the right things. Mm-hmm. Why should other people have the right, have, be able to just, like, skip through that? Yeah. Man, that crabs in a bucket mentality is coming out I, a lot yeah, tonight. It's is like that, the same with, is like... Is that how your, your mom was? Well, my mom hasn't immigrated. She's a green card holder. Okay. But she's always been um, right-leaning just because yeah. she's, like all democrats want to do is just lounge around and be lazy and get money from the government i'm just like you know it's not totally true but i can see why someone who is of asian descent like opposes that yeah because like asians and immigrants outside of america in general are more just like about hard work and meritocracy like that's just that's just how like a lot of people operate is just like hey i'm just gonna be better than other people and then i'm gonna get further because i'm better than you and like Mm -hmm. the 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 drive to compare yourself and to do better just in comparison with others is very strong in lots of asian and immigrant but like when you grow up in america and like well i guess like especially in our generation there's a lot of people who just don't want competition like it just like makes them too anxious it's like i can't i can't do it i need extra time on my test right i need a participation yeah there's 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 a really like there's a there's a softness to some people who lean left where you look at them and you're just like you just you just don't want to try as hard as other people bro you're making the rest of us look bad right now i i mean but it's true though like it's not everybody of course some people lean left because of certain hardships or this or that or the other but sometimes you get the feeling it's like you really just don't want to try hard do you so you just don't you don't you don't feel like or you'll hide under the guise of like oh my mom was abusive so i can't do well in society i will say that is more of the exception rather than the rule yeah yes that is that is true i think most people that are like left-leaning do it from a place of like from a place of concern right and a place of heart and there are some people who use it as a as a shield right and that is again like what i was saying like the like there's like 99.99 percent of people are like x yeah. That's like the point one percent who are just like, yay. I don't know yikes. if it's point one. I would well, give, like, I would give it to, more towards like twelve to thirteen okay. percent of people. But it's like, not the majority. It's not the majority at all. But there's a lot of people who like just like we were saying about nihilism. It's like sometimes it's just easier not to like step up to the plate and take your at bat at life, yeah. right? Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes you need to realize that you're a piece of shit and you're yeah. not gonna amount to anything, and you gotta accept that. And you got to go up and take your at-bat anyways. Like, you're in the lineup, right? Like, if you're a human being in a society, in a country, like, you are part of this group, and your contribution is not only wanted, but, like, necessary for everyone to do better. And if you fail to realize that because you're 
some some people really like get me on this where they're just like oh i'm like you know my parents were this and i i do this i have so much anxiety i can't work it's like i i don't know how much to believe that is my thing it's just like i have tremendous amounts of anxiety and i i i do stuff it's like who's to say that yours is worse or yours is like more limiting than mine it's like i i feel like stuff like anxiety and depression are things that you just have to tackle like it's more of a mystery when people aren't anxious yeah right I mean, it's I, just like anxiety should be seen as the default mode of life because it is like what what is this fucked up perception it's like oh you're neurotypical you don't have depression or anxiety it's like what are you talking about like everyone does everyone does and to think that you're like like you don't have to take your at bat at life because you were told by somebody that you're depressed or you're anxious so now you just like hide under that you make it worse you're just like continuously telling yourself convincing yourself that you're just like nothing you're just broken you're just broken inside from the start there's nothing that can help you and then on top of that you're also like oh like a woman or like this or color or that and just like that and that's what i don't like about people that are like progressive or on the left is sometimes i'm like there's so many excuses there's so many excuses and it's like it's sometimes it's refreshing to hear people just be like uh shut the fuck up and work and like and like figure it out and like make something out of yourself because what i what my what like i was raised with was like my mom would never let me make an excuse for anything I've not never, a single not even if it was like the best excuse in the world she's like no excuses i remember seeing this just barrage of posts on social media recently in my recommended tab where it's just people being like yeah i just don't want to fucking work or like it seems like a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about what socialism is like you know I'm not saying I'm philosophically for or against it. I just, I saw all these posts where people were like, you know, if capitalism wasn't around, what would you guys do with your lives? Well, well, I'd open up like a small bookshop slash artist place where people would just come and like make things and have coffee and stuff. And I'm just like, you know, I'm cool with people having most philosophies, but like clearly you don't understand. So like (laughs) you don't get to have a private business like that in socialism. That's just not a thing. Like, if you, like, I could respect someone who truly advocates for, like, I can respect most philosophies. Yeah. As long as you're not being like, I literally want to murder a group of people. That's that's me with anarchy or or anarchism. I'm just like, that's the one thing I'm like, I don't know. As long as it appears that you've actually researched this philosophy and you actually believe in it instead of you just saw a slideshow on Instagram that looked good and now that's your personality. Like, if you tell me you believe in socialism, okay tell me your opinions on how you think it should work and if you just parrot some bullshit i've seen on instagram before i'm gonna be like ah i don't respect you yeah right yeah no kidding that's the thing is like if you don't have reasons for why you think this and when it ultimately in reality comes down to you're lazy and you don't want to because like it's like do you guys remember like faking sick so you didn't have to go to school oh yeah I like, never did that. My parents but, still give me shit about it. Uh, like, think about how great you felt when you got away. When you knew that you're like, I'm gonna tell them I'm sick. But one and thing then you I got didn't... away with it, and then you felt so good, right? And it's like this the greatest thing ever, and you wish you could always do that always. And it's just like, to me, it feels like some people want that always. That idea of like, oh, I'm sick. Uh-huh. I can't yeah, do but anything. You, uh-huh, uh-huh. you can't feel like that all the time because you only feel that good because you're getting out of... Because when you're an adult, I think John Mulaney said it best, canceling plans feels like heroin. Yeah, right. Because, you know, 
the first few months after graduating from college mm -hmm. this past spring and like not having a job because you know covid hit and i was like well fuck what am i gonna do so i was just like around the house playing video games all day and at first i was like yeah this is cool yeah but then like uh, two months in you're just like i literally could die right now and i yeah. wouldn't fucking care like yeah i got a job not out of necessity i got a job because i needed something to do that, and i needed human beings to talk to in person and is. breathe near me so i could be yeah. like oh thank god i'm alive i the the amount of people that are just like collecting unemployment and just loving their lives like that kind of shit I actually make actually makes me mad. I'm I just genuinely like, don't know how permanently unemployed people don't kill themselves. Uh, if you told me tomorrow I never had to work again and I couldn't work again, I'd yeah, kill myself on I, the spot. There, there, there's just something, and like people have a weird relationship with the word work, right? Because it's always seen as like you're some cog in a machine and some capitalistic bullshit. It's like no, work is literally anything you do for yourself because not only do you want to but you need to it's just because like it's like you want you want to hear a interesting uh an, uh interesting like little bit of trivia yes the word for work and the word for school in tagalog uh or like i i wouldn't say school school but like because like the establishment of school but like going to school and then uh going to work yeah there is like it's a synonym right much. right like like whenever my parents are like, "Are you going to like?" They they ask if I'm going to school, but sometimes they ask if I'm going to work, hmm. and or like or they sometimes they ask if I'm going to school and I don't know what they're saying. I'm like, "What do you mean by?" I'm like, yeah, "Yes." Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, you have work today." I'm like, "No." No, I. And this is why language is so interesting <laughs> and complicated because you can't really make direct translations for so many things yeah it's just like how it's like this thing where people always say there's a german word that represents that complicated emotion you're feeling right yeah, now yeah and you're like well yeah there's no direct translation for that word because you have to literally have a phrase yeah. to explain it well that's what's so cool about like like L learning common, a different language not too. only languages but like common vernacular words one of my fa my one of my favorite recent ones is cap someone says something and you're no like, cap bro cap. he's like you cap it it's i don't like, understand that it's like it's, it means lying it's like it's not just lying but it's just like you're like over exaggerating where did it come from it's black vernacular so yeah uh apparently well i shouldn't say black vernacular apparently the correct way of saying it nowadays is aave african american vernacular english i know that because of my girlfriend and uh apparently in like the black community they're really getting tired of like white people stealing all of the things that they like to say because they're like we keep coming up with new slang and yeah. they keep taking the wind out of the sails. Well, that's the thing is like black people create culture and that's just the reality of our world. It used to be uh front you you fronting. Yeah. Right? That was like cat. It's yeah. like no, you front. It's like you are putting on a front. You there are over exaggerating your current position. And of course, you don't. You have to explain it like you're fucking Ben Shapiro for white people to understand. Yeah, there used to be. There was a joke in one episode of South Park that kind of perfectly encapsulated that, and it was like uh, Mr. Garrison and Mr. Slave were visiting Chef in his house, 
and I don't know how they got on the topic, but Chef was basically like, well, black people used to say that we were in the house, and then white people started saying that, so then we said we were in the his house, and then they said we were in the shiz house, and now we just say we're in the biggity-bobbity-flippity-floppity-flute. And then, like, as they were leaving, Mr. Slave and Mr. Garrison said, come on, Mr. Slave, we gotta get home to the, to the flippity-floppity-biggity-bobbity-boop. And then Chef was like, God damn it! South Park is genius. I swear to God... I they, didn't realize what Token Black's name meant for a I long time. I didn't either. Yeah, yeah. They, they, those, that's like some of the answer to the cultural problem we have right now is what South Park says. Because like, they just point out hypocrisy. And when I, you point out hypocrisy, you start to realize how silly a lot of things are. I think it's not just hypocrisy. It's just like a general cynicism to things. Like yeah. becoming a cynic, but not in a cynic of like a modern sense, but like, you know the true nature of a cynic of just like yeah whatever yeah like diogenes but, the cynic but where they they learned. intentionally attack groups of people that say one thing and do another exactly that's their whole thing right is there like who's who's acting who's out of pocket today right yeah. i mean pc I, principle like i love like that character thing, so much right he beats the shit out of carmen did you just use a term that excludes <laughs> women from an occupation right. no i was just trying to frame you for raping butters right. <laughs> it's just it's so perfect that and and it's a cartoon so they can do anything right for some reason when you beat up a fat kid on a you know, fat white kid on a cartoon it's totally cool <laughs> right but you do it in real life, and now it's fucking fat shaming or whatever. Cartman is one of my... Oh, my... The episode where... Uh, so, they got a Whole Foods in their town, and they were like, oh, my God, we have a Whole Foods now. We're, like, the most progressive kind of place, which is <laughs> right. so fucking cool. And, like, at whole at that Whole Foods, every time they would buy something, they would, like, ask them to make a donation to charity. And Randy was basically... Basically, it was calling them out like, hey, you're spending $100 on filet mignon and you won't donate $2 to, like, yeah. to, do, to, like, not donate money. They literally had to rip a sandwich out of, like, a starving girl's mouth for, like, this cardboard cutout. Yeah. And, and the cashier was like, oh, you, got, you really got to pull harder. Yeah. She really doesn't want to die. Just take the die. sandwich out of the girl's mouth and get your receipt. And uh, <laughs> Randy starts a charity that was, like, uh, Shameless America. Like, it was to prevent charity shaming at grocery stores and in the end they literally murder reality and Butters has a panic attack because PC Principal makes him sort through all of these famous people's tweets so that they never have to see the bad ones, only the good ones yeah. and he literally tries to kill himself because he just sees the worst of humanity and they end up just murdering the physical embodiment of reality. And to ameliorate that, Randy starts a charity where they give African people iPads to do the job that Butters was doing, which is censoring white people from all the <laughs> negative comments on social media. It's like they, they put together such concise arguments in like 20 minutes that you're like, how did you just annihilate everyone and make everything? So, and that—that's the antidote, right? I think the that's antidote like is a comedy form of nihilism. It is. You know, it's like, like it's like it's nihilism, like with a purpose. Jesse, whenever I said the word nihilism to describe that, he looked like he was about to just like he—he he couldn't bolst in pain. Do you have any idea? Uh, and no, it just looked like. Well, it. I think it's. Do you like, have a better philosophy to describe that? Uh, well, so when it comes to like true nihilism, you wouldn't bother to make the joke at all because, yeah. like, genuinely. So would there, there be have, cynicism? Though? 
I would say yes. Like, there have never been any great nihilist philosophers because you couldn't really say you're a nihilist philosopher if you're taking Unless the you effort Unless you fucking to... killed yourself. Well, you're not... Like, a true nihilist Got wouldn't him. take the time to write it down. <laughs> I'll show you. Because they wouldn't feel the need to communicate their feelings. Like, I would say if that... If you're a true nihilist, you wouldn't even consider killing yourself. Exactly. Because why would you do that? Like, uh, I would say that what South Park is doing is definitely similar to early forms of cynicism, like what Diogenes Dion. the Cynic uh, proposed... Uh, like one ex famous example of Diogenes the Cynic, there's like multiple versions of the story when he met Alexander the Great, because yeah. Alexander the Great sought him out, because at the time he was viewed as one of the wisest men in all of ancient Greece. There's two stories. One, Alexander the Great was sitting under a tree. No, uh, Diogenes the Cynic was sitting underneath a tree, and Alexander walked up to him and said, Oh, great and wise Diogenes, how could I possibly earn your favor? And Diogenes said, Get out of my light, boy to like the man who had just conquered all of greece yeah and alexander oh. said if i could not be alexander i would wish to be diogenes and diogenes said if i was alexander i would also wish to be diogenes <laughs> but the other one he said was uh well the other story is that diogenes was using a lantern and looking over a bunch of bones in a field and alexander asked him what he was doing and he said i'm trying to see which of these skeletons is of a slave and which is of your father and i can't seem to tell the difference i thought it was a whore in your mother <laughs> Uh, there, like again, there's multiple versions of the story, which I think is is honestly the biggest, the biggest fucking just like. Damn. I mean, See, but like in that institution, he's basically saying, like, yeah, you're royalty, but there's no real. What when you're dead, you're dead. There's right. no difference between you and a slave. Like, like Diogenes the Cynic basically Diogenes just... Diogenes the Cynic would have been, like, the greatest roaster of exactly. all time. Exactly. He <laughs> lived his life in such a way that he was basically a performative artist permanently critiquing all the negative aspects of the culture around him in, like, the way that he lived his life. And the way... Like, obviously, he didn't really write down any dialogues because he thought that uh, lecture was the best way to teach much like Socrates. Socrates thought that books made you stupid. Yeah. Luckily, Plato disagreed with him in that instance, or we yeah. would have lost his philosophy. But basically, I mean, it's just like Socrates himself. Socrates went around asking people questions, and he kept asking questions, and eventually people ran out of answers, and he was like, well, you, you don't have enough answers to end the questioning that's just trying to figure out why this is happening. So this isn't reasonable. And people had him killed because embar he embarrassed the people who were in positions of power. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think so, so I think South Park is following in that in those footsteps so, where too. they're just trying to elucidate, like, hey, why are we doing this exactly? And then people kind of get to, well, I don't know, or just because. And I'm like, well, that's not a good reason. To, to remove, to, to, like, go back from what we were talking about way before... And, like, you know how we were talking about, like, the, the Socratic... Or, you know, I was talking about, like, being, like, really depressed and, like, getting myself out of that. One of the things that I kept on doing was, like, asking myself, like, like through the Socratic method, just kept on asking myself, like, why I was doing things, what drove... Which, like, why I was doing things, and then, like, that oh, eventually it's, like, what drove me, and then, like, why are they driving me, blah, 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 blah. And then that eventually mm -hmm. just led to, like who I am now it's like the Socratic method still works it's just like you need the thing the issue with the Socratic method is in my opinion finding the right questions to ask to make it yeah like a viable way to, to do things yeah like or, just asking why yeah. in and of itself isn't productive you yeah. have to ask why and yeah like or why yeah, or yeah. like what is or like 
like, how is this going to happen? You all watch the Eric Andre show? Oh, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. Sometimes he, the, the greatest question he asked to his guests, he'll just randomly go, like, what does that mean? Right? Like, so, like, he interviewed the guy that, like, this Asian guy that was, like, playing Sub-Zero in some new Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, fuck yeah. And he was like, oh, so you're playing Sub-Zero? And he's like, and the guy was actually like, oh, well, actually, no, I'm playing Sub-Zero's little brother who, like, so on, so on. And then Eric Andre's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like, it's like what, what the fuck kind of question is what? It's like just asking why for anything. Right? It's like a little kid yeah. who's five years why? old. And yeah. she's like, why, 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 why? Right. Like, I swear to God, I'm not patient enough to have kids right now. Like, I'm way too selfish, and I like sleeping in and walking confidently back to overheated cars and, like, not sharing my food. And, like, the temptation to hit a child is just too strong. I I will say, like, I I think one of my favorite quotes is uh, Mark Twain. Like, as I grow... I I don't remember what it exactly is, but it's, like, as I grow older, I realize uh, my... uh, my i know uh my parents grow smarter as well like this is like yeah like you Hmm. just read when you grow older you realize that your parents aren't just talking mad shit they're just like they're actually saying shit yeah like that is important and of value Mm -hmm. and then once you realize that they're doing that that's whenever you're like oh wow my dad actually told me another quote by mark twain about parents this year because my grandmother uh passed away well last year uh and obviously that was the last of my dad's parents to die Mm. and i remember he just told me that he once read a quote by mark twain that said the world is truly a colder and lonelier place when your parents are gone because like i have older parents they're both in their mid-60s at this point Mm -hmm. and like i think about that all the time like shit should i start having a family now so that my kids can like have memories of my parents like that's the really shitty thing about having older parents yeah. i have to think a lot like oh fuck i like my parents could die within like 10 years that's yeah. nothing yeah. i want to have so much more time with them but like i can't do anything about yeah. that sick parents i i've had to go through that my dad almost died last year like i remember, I remember you talking about your mom's liver problems yeah and just like having to come to terms like that fuck like my parents could die it's yeah. like it's a it's a weird headspace you're like oh shit like i haven't done anything like, i still remember the day i learned that i was going to die yeah dude like, i remember that i remember i was so i used to live in a small town called millersburg and we lived in this house that was like 110 years old and i just remember being in the kitchen i don't i don't remember the context that led up to this discussion but i was just in my mom's arms like my head buried in her chest like crying my eyes out like mom i don't want to die yeah, I, I i remember mine um it was we went to hazard kentucky um we went to church there and i asked my mom and dad why they took communion and then they my mom said whenever she dies she goes to heaven and that's why she takes communion and then I was like, what does dying mean? And then she <laughs> like, like, kind oh, of explained fuck. it to me. And granted, I was like four or five years old at yeah. the time. And then she was just like, that just means that I'll be gone. And I'll be gone forever. I, I don't exactly remember, but I'm assuming that's how you say it to a little kid. And I was just absolutely bawling. I, I couldn't stop crying. Um, and then I don't know if this is an implanted memory or a false memory, but I just remember playing on like you know those like 
those ducks that have like a the spring on top of them or like under them like in a playground you kind of like oh yeah the uh when you ride on it yeah yeah, yeah. i I remember or it was either that or like a sea like a a horsey like a rocking horse i just remember playing on that and i was like okay <laughs> I'm gonna die, but it's okay. Yeah, but then, uh, that's that's how I became a that's how I became a nihilist. <laughs> All right, sitting yeah. on that duck just really changed it for me. I will say though, I think that learning philosophy mm-hmm. and then have like learning a philosophy that agrees with yourself helps align you and it does. makes you under like it makes you just more accepting of the world. Studying a lot of philosophy like hedonism whether it be cynicism or whether it be stoicism like stoicism the right way yeah yeah or like you know like just whatever just like having that in your tool belt and understanding why you're thinking away and then just having like a little like fallback i guess it's like kind of like a religion kind of like a bible of just like if i'm doing this and then this is what the person says then it's okay. Or you like, want this structure. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. all it is. You I just mean, want to be consistent. Like I think structure is the most important thing for anyone. Yeah. That's like when people just let their kids do whatever they want. I'm like, that's bad. Yeah. Kids need structure because adults need structure because yeah. everybody need like community is structure. A friendship is structure. Like we have a microcosm of community with the three of us because yeah. we're friends. Right. And we have. Wait, what? Like, <laughs> who? <laughs> who are you guys? What? Man, well, how do we get here? Do you consider us friends, Jesse? That's a good question. How did we get here? Well, uh, uh, well, it all started in organic chemistry. Well, technically, <laughs> it all started in gen chemistry when I thought that Daniel looked cool and I wanted to hang out with him. And then Jesse. I noticed Paris, and Paris had a cool one-piece laptop. And I was like, you got a cool one-piece laptop. Still and right we here. hung out. And then we met in organic chemistry, and I was like, these guys seem like they would mesh. So we studied together, and it all fell into yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met I met Paris through Jesse. Yeah. How did we meet Jesse? Uh, chemistry. Oh yeah, we, I know it was organic chemistry, but like, how did that occur? I did. We have lab together, like for Orgo one. I no, no, so. I no. I remember how we met. I remember how we met. So. Uh, we did not have organic one lab together. We had them in the rooms next to each other. And, and I then would... we always talked to, talk yeah. to each other about Yeah, them. I remember yeah, we yeah. would always sit down and like talk to each other. And I was like, this guy's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and I remember uh, me and Paris actually both talked about this. Like you were just like so confident and like well-dressed and cool. When we first met you, we were both kind of like, do I hate this guy or is he just oh, like no. really cool? As an cool? Asian man, I was intimidated. I was like, he's got silver hair. He rolls his own cigarettes. He's really good at chemistry. I'm like, fuck, dude, I've got a lot to compete <laughs> with right now. <laughs> he's the person right. my mom tells me right, about. Yeah, he's just like, just like secretly get a nicotine addiction. Yeah, like when I first right? met you, I was like, God damn, do I not like this guy or is he just actually confident in himself and I'm jealous of it? Yeah. I was like, oh, it's the second one. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dude, I will say though, just like trying to help my friends become conf- or, like just like become confident in myself, or in themselves, excuse me. I that's like that's kind of become my goal in life. I just yeah. want people to be like confident and happy of who they are and what like you know what they are mm-hmm. because I wasn't con- like granted you guys saw me in, like end of sophomore year. Yeah. Um, whenever I was like kind of like hitting your stride it out. Yeah, yeah 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 because like i will say 
I haven't told this to Raleigh Mills yet. You guys know Raleigh. Yeah. yeah. And he, who knows, maybe he'll watch this. Maybe he'll listen to this yeah. part. Um, but, like, he, he, he was probably one of the people who were most instrumental in just me becoming confident in who I was and what I liked. Because Raleigh was, you know, frat boy, whatever. But he was also, like, huge fucking nerd. Yeah. And, like, loved video games and loved talking about anime. Yeah. And then, like, for me, I've always, like, before that, especially coming out of high school, I had this, like, very isolationist, like, if you have this personality trait, you must act like this. Mm-hmm. If you have these interests, you must act like this. X, Y, Z. And then Raleigh was just like, ah, no, I'm just a really smart dude who's also a party animal, who's also right. just, like, a huge fucking nerd. nerd. I want to ask you guys a question. And then he was open about it, and I was just like, you can I be could, all those you things? Could, you could do that? Yeah, yeah, I was like, what yeah. the fuck? Right. And then, like, that's kind of where it all started. But I want to ask ahead, you guys something. Like, have you ever, like, felt this compulsion of, like, I either need to, like, live a simple life in the country with a family that I built or literally die in a war for my country? I wouldn't say die in a war, but I wouldn't mind mm. dying in, like, a chemical explosion. I've thought about the way I would die. Or, like, more or less, I've thought about, like, if... For some reason, we like went to war with China, and I got drafted, and like there was no other option. I had to go fight in a war. I'd be like, might have a war with India on its hands. I I would like if I had no other option but to fight or die. I would change my personality completely and become a complete psycho. I'm not gonna lie, uh, like, I, I I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna get accepted to medical school with this cycle because I applied super late because of like a bunch of factors going on in my life at the time. Yeah. And uh, there was, like, a brief period where I thought, should I join the army? Like, that would provide structure and give me a purpose for the next four years where I couldn't say that I was doing nothing with my life for sure. And then I kind of snapped myself out of it because, like, I'm a pussy. Like, I wouldn't do well in the army. Shit. Like, (laughs) if I joined the Marines, I would literally die. Like, not even yeah. from getting shot, just from being a pussy. just wouldn't take you. They would ask you a couple questions, be I like, you're not a murderer. I've thought about it, because I'm just like, I like people telling me what to do. I know, that's, that's thing, it. It's so right? good. Yeah. If somebody tells me what to do... For, I'll like, fucking do it. Like, I'll do it yeah. 100%, and for some reason... If I just do it, people are like, wow, you did that really well. I'm like, I didn't do it really well, I just did it. Right. And like... The, I think the like, the thing that like really sticks out to me is one one once for like six weeks, I worked at uh, a in a kitchen at the Campbell House kitchen. It's one of the like hotels across. It's like one of like the fancy hotels across mm-hmm. from like the, uh, what's it called? Across from the hospital at St. Joseph. Okay. Um, and then I remember I was working in their kitchen, and then I I'm not. I like, you know, you guys know that I like to cook, and you guys mm. know I'm pretty decent at it. Yeah. And I was working with the the head chef, and he was like, he took me under his wing for those six weeks. Yeah. And like, the bo- both the head chef and the chef had like some pretty decent accolades. Like, the head yeah. chef worked, like, made a dinner for Obama once. Oh, And shit. like, the other one, the, the sous chef was like a, um, uh, was the head chef for like one of the big, like, uh, the big like a Michelin uh, star restaurant. No, 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 no. One of the big uh, like golf clubs in Europe. I don't in like hmm. England or like Ireland or something. I can't remember. And like 
I, like, they loved me for, like, I wasn't the best at my job. Right. Like, you know, I, I, like, you know, I wasn't, like, fucking Gordon Ramsay, just, like, yeah, yeah. Like, cutting shit up. And, like, but, like, they really liked me. And then it's that, at that point, I realized that people don't expect you to be extremely competent at what you do. They don't expect you to be 100% the best. They just expect you to be not incompetent. Yeah. Like not not like unteachable. Like yeah. as long up, as you show up and you're enthusiastic about it and you're happy to learn and you're ready to do whatever, people will be ha- extremely happy to have yeah. you work for them. For real. And that's that's whenever whenever I realized that I was like, shit. So like, guys, what wow. I'm getting out of all this is that we should all join the Air Force because that's the one you can be most of a pussy in. Chair no, I have I have a I have glasses. You don't have to be a pilot. Yeah, but like, <laughs> would I let myself be not a pilot? You can. Well, I'm too tall to be a yeah, pilot, so see, if I wasn't a pilot, then like, my parents would be disappointed. You know, yeah, <laughs> just get LASIK like I got. My uh, ancestors, right? It's like yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Whoa, I'm trying to crash hey, the plane. Hey, as, as, the, as hey man, the Air Force learned their lesson. The first. Hey, sh- <laughs> fool me once, shame on you. Fool, well, shame right. on. Shame on you. Yeah, fool. Shame on you. Fool me twice. They're not gonna let Japanese people near planes. <laughs> I think that's a good quote to go go out on. You guys want to get some Sonic after this? Dude, I'd be fucking down. I'd for be some down Sonic. for that. Yeah. Dude. Well, good talk. Yeah, Three good hours, talk. thirty-four minutes in. That's I feel like one. I could still go, but like easily, yeah. right? Oh, that we we. I could still go, but we'll just save you that said for we, next we. time. You said we we. Nice. But yeah, yeah, we'll save that for next. Yeah. Time. There we go. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks. I love you. I love you.